And we are live. Welcome back to another edition of 30 Rack of Sports, episode 8. It is December 15th. I'm Greg, and to my left is a man that just disappoints me on a daily basis. Wow. We have Zach on my left. Hey, guy. Glad I can do that for you. And to my right, a guy who uh, probably wishes he had anyone else throwing footballs for his team other than uh, Andy Dalton and Ryan Finley. On the ones and twos is Josh. Josh, how are we doing today? We're doing fantastic. It's another uh, beautiful week in Ohio uh, for some 30 rack of sports. White death on the way. Uh, so if you're out there driving this morning, listen to us. Roads are still a little slick. You know, take her easy. Uh, don't get too frustrated. Oh, about... is this supposed to snow tonight? Yeah. yeah a little bit of freezing rain, maybe. Yeah, weatherman Josh here to <laughs> update you on what's about to come. But uh, don't get too frustrated as we discuss uh, some of those throws that were made today. Um, but there's also some good news that we have to get to as well. So should be another great episode of 30. There is. What are we, what there are is we, good. There's some good news. What are we getting at today, Greg? Uh, so today we are talking a little bit about uh, the Bengals and the Browns. Browns game is going on currently. They are at the end of the third quarter. So if you hear any uh, Dave Lapham-esque shrieks yes. and uh, we are comments from me. during the Browns game. So if you are startled by any strange <laughs> noises or anything, that is just uh, Greg who's got the uh, fantastic, one of my favorite Browns shirts that he has uh, of the list of quarter, Browns quarterbacks. Since 1999, some of my favorites include... Uh, running, out of, running out of shirt there, guy. Super Bowl right? <laughs> uh, winning coach Doug Peterson, um, longtime Seattle Seahawks backup Seneca Wallace, uh, and, of course, RG3. Oh, yeah. That's a list right there. We don't mention. Oh, we don't Jason men- Campbell, though. I forgot about the old Jason. Jason right Campbell, I believe, started for every team, or at least three out of the four teams in the AFC North in the, in the span of like five years. Him and uh, Bruce Gradkowski also did that. Who's <laughs> also on the shirt. Gets a whole, uh, whole row to himself. But, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit of Browns and uh, Bengals, uh, preview some of the uh, college basketball and kind of uh, recap some of the college basketball in Ohio over the week. Talk a little bit of hot stove, both in Ohio and around the league. There. Um, Is it breaking, though? Uh, it's kind of breaking. Okay. Also in some national news, uh, yeah, breaking news, talking a little uh, President's Cup, and um, we preview a couple uh, college football bowls and uh, also give our take on how we might improve the uh, – the college football playoff. And I hear Josh has oh, yeah. some wild ideas. Oh, I, I can't wait for that. You're going to have to buckle up for that one. Oh. I cannot wait for that. That'll be fun. All right. But uh, as we always start on 30 Rack of Sports, not with news, but with beer. I jumped the gun there. You I jumped, jumped the gun. Jumped there. The gun. So unprofessional. Sorry. My ones and twos. We'll but roll with it. We'll roll right into it. Uh, first off, we are drinking Jackie O's. Raz Wheat, a raspberry wheat ale from Jackie O's. 740. In Athens, Ohio, as you said. My neck of the woods. 740. I was the one that picked the beer, and uh, I'm a big wheat guy. I uh, love a little bit of flavor, such as the raspberries. Did you so say wheat or weed? Yes. Weast? 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 I thought you said east. And um, we're going to start off in the news mm. talking about part of the reason why we went with Jackie O's. Uh, Athens beer is the Athens boy himself taking home the Heisman at the Heisman ceremony last night. 
Joe Burrow, uh, former Athens standout, former Ohio State backup, and current uh, quarterback of the number one ranked LSU Tigers, <laughs> takes home the Heisman. A uh, couple of quick facts. Largest margin of victory, uh, over 1,800 points. Um, that broke the record set by, who was that, Zach? Troy Smith. Troy Smith, um, back a little bit more than 10 years ago. He also had... 06. 06, thank you. Uh, had 90.7% of the first place votes and uh, was named on 95.5% of the ballot. Both records as well. Who um, didn't have him on the ballot? Yeah, I'm really interested to <laughs> see who had four and a half. I want to see those ballots. Uh, you know, people people make some crazy votes sometimes. Well, so. I think some of it was, and I mean, you know, I think going into this, it was kind of a uh, everyone kind of knew that Burrow was going to win. But I think one of the big shocks, and maybe that showed up on some of the ballots, was um, three fantastic running backs in. Uh, J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State, Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin, and Chuba Hubbard from uh, Oklahoma State, all not named finalists, so none of them got to go to New York. Um, all those guys had 20-plus touchdowns, averaged six and a half yards per or averaged between six and six and a half yards per carry, had over 280 carries, and had 20-plus touchdowns. So they were all kind of right there together, so it seemed like if you couldn't really pick one off, then... I guess it was best to leave them all out because there wasn't really a big gap between any of those guys. All had really great seasons. That is true. But, I mean, and I think you definitely, when it came down to picking the finalists, you know, looking at impact players, not to say that those three running backs weren't impact players, but Mm -hmm. when you look at guys like Joe Burrow or Chase Young who are making those big impact plays game after game, uh, I think that's a big key factor. When you had such a tight race like we did this year, yeah. Maybe I, not such a tight race, but a tight backfield. In right. Race. I think they should have a set amount of finalists. I think it should be five every year because I think it's a big honor to go. Yeah, just to go, yeah. And I think I think John Taylor was fifth because I think Dobbins was sixth. So at least Taylor would have went. I think it would have been a cool – yeah, I don't know. Just have, It's always arbitrary. Some years it's three, right. four, we've had five. It's weird, and it's a big – I don't know how they – is there like a cutoff? Did yeah, they make a distinction on that? I'm not sure a what it is. Because yeah, it was a different. big drop from four to to five. But I think it should be five. Um, but, yeah, I think the running backs, like Rick said, was a difficult when you have all three look exactly the same Well, much. and I think, you know, for f- just taking a look back at the last so many Heisman winners, um, you know, if you, it's for the most part the best quarterback on the best team or the one mm-hmm. quarterback that kind of balls out and uh, – you know, if you're not, you really have to go up, you know, way above everybody else. And I think Chase yeah. Young did that. And that's usually there's, you know, a running back or a wide receiver or someone that really goes crazy that gets invited. But, mm-hmm. I mean, since 2000, um, all the winners have been quarterbacks or running backs. And only three of those have been running backs. Uh, Reggie Bush in 05, Ingram in 09, and Derrick Henry in 2015. The rest have all been quarterbacks, you know. They need to change the definition of it. <clears throat> is it the best player in college football, or is it the best player in the best team? That's fine. Well, That's basically honestly, what it is. The best quarterback, and maybe sometimes running right. back on the best team. Right. Yeah, I just it it makes it anticlimactic. I mean, this year was I think because Burrow kind of ran away with it. Um, yeah, and I think a lot of the other you know finalists had some of their work. You know, uh, Jalen Hurts had had mm-hmm. some some of the fumbling problems. Chase Young, you know, had had the two game suspension, which I think kind of hurt him because it was yeah. two games that he could have especially 
you know, padded his stats. And then Justin Fields was was good, but I mean, I mean he was a he guy wasn't he didn't even to play second half yeah. of those games. He, he well, and honestly, he wasn't the best player on his team. No. And you know, as we mentioned, you know, a couple of weeks ago, he might have not even even been the best offensive player well, because of how Dobbins. good J.K. Yeah. Dobbins was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had a great year. I mean, not taking anything away from him, but yeah, could have easily been Dobbins there. But yeah, it seemed like it was uh, certainly something that was, you know, Burroughs to lose, and it was shown in all the records that he set. Well, uh, congratulations to Joe Burrow on the Heisman, the Athens area. Athens stand up. Athens area, boy. Uh, the reason we are drinking this fantastic Jackie is Raz Wheat. This is a great beer. It is, yes. And he's the Bulldogs. So the Bulldog family's happy. So, That's true. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it, it just kind of shows for him, you know, coming from. Uh, you know, kind of a small area out, out in Athens, going to Ohio State, having to back up, losing out on the starting job to Haskins. Some of it was, mm-hmm. you know, he was hurt for a while in some of those years. And then he wasn't highly to, recruited, though. Yeah, he barely to go got to a scholarship LSU. to Ohio State. That was kind of like a last minute thing. Um, there was a funny thing I saw, and um, some college football scout tweeted out a tweet that Joe Burrow had sent him. Yeah, the email that he had sent him. It was an email that he had sent him back when he was a. A sophomore or junior in high school asking him where do I need to go because nobody's recruiting me so it's just interesting when you see those kind of things and where he's at now it's really cool yeah uh, congrats to him he seems like a really really good uh everything you hear he sounds like a great kid so boomer esiason today on cbs's nfl today uh he did this with carson palmer when he won the heisman presented him a Bengals helmet <laughs> and uh he didn't say he he alluded to it today. Uh, back when he did it with Carson Palmer, he straight out said, welcome to our dysfunctional family. <laughs> it was on the tip of his tongue today, but he held back. He did apologize <laughs> for putting him in an awkward position, but uh, one more game to the Bengals seal that up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it should be quite the interesting time. And uh, we're going to get to the Bengals here in just a second on the Ohio News. But I think first we got to start with the big – MLB hot stove trade. Big news here today on Sunday. Former uh, two-time Cy Young winner Corey Kluber goes from the Indians to the Rangers for what most people are calling either a salary dump or a very light Uh, return. Definitely a salary Um, salary dump. In return, they get uh, right-handed pitcher Emmanuel Claus. I think it's Clace. Clace, okay. He's a 21-year-old that they... That uh, scouts said do have electric stuff, but once again, only 21 years old. Oh. And then uh, outfielder Delano DeShields Jr., who's 27 last year, he hit uh, 249 with four homers, 32 RBIs, 24 stolen bases, and had a 1.3 WAR. So, kind of a Greg on Allen. the edge of a yeah, yeah, kind of a platoon, maybe third outfielder at best. I will say, Clay's, uh we saw something with him last year that you very rarely see in baseball. Uh, he uh, he jumped Triple A, no, oh, uh, yeah, and ended up go- just going straight to making his big league debut with the Rangers. Uh, it wasn't till August, um, but yeah, they jumped him up all the way to the big leagues, skipping bypass Triple A. He went two and three, uh, but only had a two point three ERA. Um, and then it was mostly in relief work. Mm-hmm. Um, not great, not terrible. I so. mean, he's young. And, yeah, he's young, too. He so. averaged 99 miles an hour on his fastball um, last year. Um, yeah, it's a salary dump. I was kind of surprised when I saw it. Um, but that really might have been all that they could get. You know, the Indians, the Indians don't rush things. Their front office deserves more than anybody trust. They rarely get these wrong. That must have been the market. They saw a deal that worked. Um, I know some people were talking, well, you know, 
now 17 million's off the books. That's 17 million permanently off the books. They're not right. refilling that, obviously. With yeah, anything. that's that's maybe at best case, you know, three or four million that they might reinvest. Right, they might reinvest. I mean, people thought, you know, getting Kipnis off the books that that would be the case, but sounds like we're gonna have a low. Um, we're gonna have a low budget this year, and I think moving on in. I think now, I don't know. Based on what they got back for Kluber, I think it might be interesting. Maybe Lindor is maybe on the move before spring training. I don't know. We'll find out, but yeah, I think but, they're getting serious about getting into this rebuild. Right. Yeah, and I think well, the one, the couple things that um, you know was said was one of the things that they wanted, you know, and it could just be a cover up for mm-hmm. saying salary dump was they wanted you know some players that could help them next year. Yeah, still have a young rotation, but I don't think they are. Gonna, they're not going to have a five-year rebuild. They've done it perfectly. They're set up perfectly that this could be a one, one to two-year deal. Yeah, and the other thing is, I mean, looking at Kluber, just to go back to the trade, you know, he was a guy as we mentioned last week that was out for a lot of the season with the with the broken arm and then the the pec injury or the um, oblique the arm, injury. Oblique, That's what yeah. it was. Yeah, the oblique injury. So you know, one of those guys that is. Definitely a little shot in the dark there for the Rangers, but you know, for them, uh, obviously a good time for them to make a run. Uh, yeah, they're gonna have a good rotation. Uh, I mean, depending you know, on what Kluber. Well, they provides. have the new stadium and everything, and uh, Waste the one of money. the one Ridiculous. joke that they had was uh, the hot stove was already heating up the other day in uh, Texas because they had a fire in their new That's stadium right, yeah. the other day. So, jeez. <laughs> well, they they asked uh, Rangers general manager Joe John Daniels uh, about Kluber's injuries, um, and he said that it doesn't necessarily give us pause. Uh, he said the start of last season wasn't going the way he's accustomed to pitching, and I think that the time off may give him a little time to reset and get his body fresh he also said he feels like he's a really good spot and he's genuinely excited about the deal um yeah. so well, yeah Kluber I mean, is from texas yeah. so i know he's very excited i'm sure to go back um sad day appreciate all that i mean appreciate all Kluber did for cleveland and uh, it's looking bleaker and bleaker it's gonna be a long winter it could be a long winter. winter. We're gonna we're gonna discuss later how the market with a lot of guys going off the books. We also mm-hmm. had another big signing today that we'll get to. Yeah. Um, but we'll get to that later in the national news. And now we have to talk about the uh, the sad and the <laughs> sad. The big time. What was what is it? Uh, one in thirteen now. The one in thirteen Cincinnati Bengals after dropping a game to New England, thirty four to thirteen. It was. Uh, 10 to 7 and uh, 13 to 10. It was 10 to 7 Bengals uh, at the end of the first, 13 to 10 New England at halftime, and then it just kind of got out of hand. Andy Dalton, 17 for 31, 151 yards, a touchdown, and four interceptions all in the second half, one return for a touchdown. As I get severely disappointed by the Browns <laughs> giving up another touchdown, um, Mixon had uh, 136 yard rushing but uh in the game where brady only had 128 yards passing uh certainly a game that seemed winnable for a while but after erickson muffed a punt late in the second quarter uh the um the patriots were able to get don't you laugh at me (laughs) the patriots were able to get on the board uh you know again make it 13 to 7 at halftime and then, uh, you know, just kind of run away with it in the second half. Don't you laugh at us. <laughs> I can't help it. Just the anger and just 
Right now we have the game. The Browns game on the background, so Greg's backs to it. But I'm just making you, man, faces at it. Greg is we've got getting angry. About, we've got to and talk about the sad. Meanwhile, and the he's sadder. talking about the sad Bengals, and Josh is over here pained in the face, and I'm just sitting here watching these two. Greg has his his head in his hands. I'll, I'll say this: the Bengals, the Bengals in the first half looked good. I mean, they were putting together some solid drives. Joe Mixon, I got to give it to Joe Mixon. Yeah, twenty-five carries for one hundred thirty-six yards, and he had one run in the second quarter, I believe it was, that uh, was got, looked like a for sure tackle for a loss for like five or six yards, and that dude bounced it out, went back, and then ended up going off for a twenty-nine yard run. I haven't seen that kind of like fire in like that. That aggressive style running that we're used to from Joe Mixon, so that was nice to see. He had a good day. And yeah. yeah, that first half they were the offense was looking really good. That, that was at the very end of the first quarter, and he had 72 rushing yards in the first quarter, and they were really moving the ball. They were getting yeah. the play action started against that, you know, that vaunted Patriots defense. They were actually moving the ball pretty well. You know, they got a they got a field. They probably should have had two touchdowns on their first two drives, but just couldn't quite get it done. And then the offense started to really stall out there at well, the end of the even, first half. And even Gio half. Bernard, he was getting in on some chunky runs as well. But, yeah, and then then in the second. So then, yeah, I think the momentum completely got deflated by that Erickson Muffs punt. I don't know why he tried to catch that with a guy right in his face, but he could have fair caught that, had it at the 23, 24. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why he tried to do that. That set the Patriots up for a score in the final two minutes before you go into halftime. You could have gone in at halftime with the lead against the Patriots. But huge. That's a win right there. Do you yeah, just pack it up and leave yeah, for the day? That's a win right there. I'd take that. Uh, but, yeah, Andy Dalton, the four interceptions. Uh, Bengals also ha- lost a fumble there. Um, Dalton really didn't look that – neither of the quarterbacks looked good in this game. But, uh, yeah, you're not going to win any game with five turnovers. You're just not. Uh, and that's what sucks, though. The yeah. Bengals won in a lot of categories on this. I mean, they had 315 yards to the 291 total yards that New England had. Uh, each team had 19 first downs. We had 32 minutes of possession over there, 27. I mean, there are a lot of things you can look at and say on paper that the Bengals won this matchup. But yeah, no matter what, no matter who you're playing, no matter what the scenario, you're not winning a game with five Can't turnovers. Can't beat yourself. No, it's gonna be a long, slow and again, trudge. And again, I say it every every week. I say this, so I'm sorry, but I just have to point it out. <laughs> Four for thirteen on third downs. Four for thirteen. The third downs continue to be just awful. Yeah, and that's one of those things you can't keep the drives, you know, sustained. That turns, you know, um, touchdowns into field goals and, and field goals into punts. So it's certainly one of those things that uh, you know it's disappointing because the Bengals have. I mean, this game kind of got out of hand late, but, you know, there have been a number of games that they've lost by less than 10 points. I mean, they've been competitive mm-hmm. in so many of these games, which, you know, is disappointing, but it's one of those things that, you know, you shove the offensive line, you know, get Burrow. I, I think there are some steps to take that could at least lead to some improvement next year. You know, maybe disappointment, dis- disappointing improvement, depending on uh, what idiot team you're dealing with and what idiot coach yeah i mean yeah i think so often back to that uh the season opener in seattle oh my god in the middle of that game i just was like yeah this is a football team man this is this looks like a professional football team (laughs) i don't know i was just happy with that even though we lost that game i was like they looked like a professional football team and I i think back to that so often and how hard we've fallen from that Really, in just one week, because right after that, yeah, I mean, they it all went whooped. downhill, and it's just continued to go downhill. 
But yeah, like you said, Greg, you know, make a few adjustments, get some healthy guys back. Uh, Jonah Williams, first round draft pick from last mm -hmm. year, he practiced for the first time all year this week after getting hurt in uh, mini camps. So you know, look to next year. We get one more game, one more loss, and we clinch that first Dude. round pick. So they still got they still got to go through the draft. Yes, which I is mean, just yeah, fright, you still I have think to frightening for anybody. Yeah, yeah, and I think looking back at uh, the last few years of some uh, whiff, yeah, whiff, some whiff, whiff. I mean, some Bengals whiffs. Looking at Billy Price, who has been, you know, almost knocked out of the rotation. You know, sometimes playing at, at guard. Shocking then, to me. I don't get what happened to him. That's just weird. I don't even think that's a bad pick on the back. I mean that lack of development uh, yeah i'm not sure what happened there either that was just another like there's been a, a lot of those there's been just so been many crazy, offensive linemen that crazy bust hasn't been great yeah um but i think there are two ways to look at the upcoming draft well and what position we are going to get in the draft the Bengals have been in this position so many times and with one win one little win at the end of the season got bounced from making a choice like charles woodson or mm. rex burkhead or not rex burkhead excuse me uh, christian mccaffrey you know, those those one wins, those one little wins at the end of right. the seasons, you know, ruined that for you. So say what you will about that. But this situation here, this season, looks a lot like the Carson Palmer, mm -hmm. the season before Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer won the Heisman, you know, was definitely, I think, the better quarterback between the two, at least for now. Um, yeah. Greg's having a fit he's, right now. <laughs> he's, uh, what's going on, Greg? Yeah, so we'll wrap up the Bengals. Like I said, you know, Dalton definitely showed us today that I think, yeah, it's it's time to move on. You know, look forward to Burrow, look forward to right. getting healthy, and we'll go into next year. Um, so I guess we'll give an update on the Browns as it is currently happening as we record. And uh, Greg is – are you going to cry? I'm I'm about to just walk out of here. I don't care, <laughs> man. Ugh. Do we need to turn the TV off? Uh, no, because I'm getting the updates on my phone too. So <laughs> Do we need to throw there's, your phone there's outside? No, there's no escape. There's no escape. <laughs> Uh, uh, so the Browns are currently trailing right now, are they not? So the Browns are losing oh, yeah. to the Cardinals, uh, thirty-five to seventeen, with about seven minutes left. Had just given up a touchdown, um, and then on the first play of their drive, down eighteen with seven minutes to go, uh, Baker Mayfield has a twenty-six yard pass to Ricky Seals Jones that he fumbles. So now the Cardinals have the ball again, and they're down eighteen, and they need to win this game to keep any sense of playoff hopes alive. So they're out of the playoffs. They're probably going to finish under 500, and this season has been an unmitigated disaster, along with the fact that there were some reports coming out that the front office still expects Freddie Kitchens to be a um, to be the coach next year and for a very long time, as long as there is not a ridiculous collapse. Um, uh, this game is uh, what's going on what's, right yeah, now. What, what do call we call this? right now? Um, that's a three nine and one Cardinals team. Yeah, that's just. Uh, I yeah, call I, that a, a collapse. I mean, we sat here a couple of weeks ago and we were like, "Oh, as long as the you know if the Browns can beat the Steelers or like take a game in that stretch, right. then they have a super easy schedule that they can just walk right through to the playoffs." Well, yeah, we thought this was a playoff team. We thought a couple well, of weeks ago the schedule laid out perfect. You looked at it, and um, you're going to look back at the end of the season, and you're going to realize you. Um, got trounced by the Marcus Mariota Titans, which are very different than the Ryan Tannehill Titans, who might be a playoff team. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You got beat by quarterbacks by the names of uh, Brandon Allen and uh, Devlin Duck Hodges, and you're going to lose to uh, a 3-9-1 Cardinals team right now. Uh, get smushed by them. So, I, I, you know, as someone that was very bullish on this season, this has been an unmitigated disaster. I think bullish is an understatement. 
as we heard all summer. But anyway, <laughs> I agree. I, I mean, I, I think keeping kitchens is smart. If if what you need to do though, he needs whether to he wants it or not, he that could be that or it's well, yeah, play calling. Yeah, you just can't do it. But I think I think you need to bring in somebody to counsel him to kind of sit down. You know, an ex head coach, Gary Kubiak type guy, come in. Sit down with them and just kind of be like, "What can we do to make you a better coach?" And here's like different strategies because he just doesn't seem like that's a tough thing to learn when you were never a coordinator up till the last right, half yeah. of last year. He's in way, and now time. that's my point. If you bring someone in who can kind of show him the ropes, counsel him on the best way to approach different things, then I mean, I think it's worth a go another year. But yeah, and I I know the one thing is, uh, you know, as I was as I was driving back, uh, you know, picking up a a six pack of the old uh, Raz Wheat. I was listening to the Cardinals broadcast of the game and they were talking about, you know, how the Browns rush defense looks awful and they say, "Oh, that reminds us a lot of the Cardinals rush defense last year." And oh, look, they have Steve Wilkes as their defensive coordinator. And he was <laughs> one that I was happy about the hire, but you know, the rush defense hasn't been great, and obviously some of that is the fact that you have uh one defensive end hurt and one defensive end uh you know, missing a couple games for whatever reason, you know, trying to put a guy's helmet back on or something like that. You shouldn't turn around right now. So, Oh, my goodness. Uh, First in yeah. goal, Cardinals. Well, at the, I mean, at this point, I'm, I've already – I'm the season's over at this point. I'm, so, I'm upset you know. right now because uh, I'm in my fantasy football semifinals playing against uh, Chubb, and I also put a few gold doubloons on the Browns today. So, Oh, no. Yeah. That's Bad decisions it. all around. That's your know. own fault. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's looking like the Brown season's going to be over. Uh, I'm sure we're going to have plenty more podcasts where I'm going to talk about how they need to upgrade the offensive line, uh, hopefully stay a little bit healthier next year. Um, I know there's been some talks about them extending Joe Schobert or not. I, ho- I really hope they do because I think he's been a very good linebacker. But I think they just need some more experience. Uh, you know, Baker the last couple games has looked – you know, at times this year has looked like the quarterback that we thought he'd be this year, and then at times this year has been 130 yards and, and two picks. And I'm guessing the Cardinals just scored based on. No, you. Oh no, not, I was, no, I was just I was just raising my hand because I had a question for you. Uh, I want to ask you this. Okay. What do we do? <coughs> Excuse me. What do we do about OBJ? Um, he's gone. No, I think he stays. <coughs> really. So he's gone. the one thing that I that I uh, you know kind of read was the one thing about Kitchens and OBJ is they were the two big moves to start uh, Dorsey's tenure. So that's true. If, yes, if he gets rid of either of them, it seems like it was a failure on his part. So right, but I think homeboy have- don't want to play. From the word, from the word. I mean, it sounds like there's multiple reports stating that. Yeah, there's a lot. He of was telling reports. players after games, "Please get me out of here." Basically, like then he shouldn't have signed the extension. I agree. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm. I'm just. I mean, do you want that distraction there? You don't need distractions there. Yeah, they continue I think it's to a, make it's their own distraction. But I would love to see Cleveland's it. not New York. They should not have distractions. Cleveland is. Bo- I mean, it's not boring. I love it. But I mean, it's not New York. There's not. There should not be all these distractions. This team just continues yeah, but, to create their own distractions. There's always. There's always something, and uh, you know, there'd have to be a big haul for it, especially with the cap hits that are going to be taken there. So that's fair. 
Well, as we record right now, the Browns have held the Cardinals to fourth and goal, so it does look like they'll kick a fear, field goal here to a make fear it. Goal? <laughs> field goal here to make it. 38-17 uh, uh, with just a few minutes remaining in the game. Well, while so. Greg watches the fourth down, I guess we'll just – we were going to move next to Ohio State men's yep. basketball, a winner in the state. Um, Very big winners right very now. Very big. They're number three. Up number three in the AP poll. Uh, they actually have a long eight-day layoff since our last they have not they played. Have it's probably finals week. Layoff. That's what a lot of the Is that what it is? Uh, yeah. That makes sense. So, yeah, they've had a layoff. Um, but they do play tonight at Minnesota. I think that game – 6.30 tip-off, so, it so just, just tipped, tipped off, off from where we're recording. Um, so that's a big, you know, Minnesota's always tough. That's a big, um, they're at Minnesota, so they're playing in the barn. So that's always um, a tough one. But, you know, they have Against Minnesota. Richard Pitino and them boys. Yeah, Dick Pitino, uh, chip off the old block. And then uh, on the 17th, so that's Tuesday, they play Southeast Missouri State. SEMO. And then on the 21st, Friday. No, Saturday. Saturday, sorry. They they the big matchup with UK. Yeah, they play in the the CBS Sports Classic, which has uh, which usually has the the four teams of Ohio State and UK, which are playing, and then um, UNC plays Mick Cronin, former Cincinnati coach Mick Cronin, and then boys with uh, UCLA. So that's always a fun weekend seeing those four teams. Obviously, oh, yeah, that'd four be fun. story yeah, that'd programs. Be really cool. So uh, be should weekend. be should be good. And you know, looking at. Some of uh, some of the stuff you know ahead. We're going to talk a little bit about bracketology right now. Ohio State is one of the one seeds and has looked like you know probably the one overall top, right now. A top, yeah, probably one or two team in the nation, right. probably with Louisville and whatnot. So um, you know, I guess at this point, Zach, do you think it continues? Because I think you know right now they have they have the big men, they have some mm-hmm. experience, they have some young guys that are really taking strides. Do you think? They can end the season as a one seed? I mean, fingers crossed. This is feeling a little bit like that uh, kind of 07 Thad Mata year where they kind of – a little different because that 07 team got whooped in uh, Chapel Hill. But, I mean, along the lines of – or maybe more like a 2010 team maybe seems more fair. Um, I, I don't know. I'm interested to see how they come back from the layoff. That's always yeah. tough when you – with a younger team, see how they respond because they're – you know, you're in a groove and now – you kind of have this long time up. That can be good. That can be bad. Um, I'm going to say yes because I, I really like what I've seen over the last couple of years and so far this year from Chris Holtman. Everything just seems like he's a very stabilizing kind of personality. Nothing's going to get too big. Nothing's going to get too low. And he's, he's created, uh, with with that talent that he has on offense, he's created a very, very dominant offense. Oh, yeah. Everybody's contributing. They're offense. running about an eight-man rotation. Yeah. Everybody's pitching in. Um, all around. I mean, that's still shock. I still can't. Still shocking to me because all of us going into this year, like this is going to be a good defensive team, right? But we thought it'd be more like Virginia, where they're playing these 45, 42 games. Um, I, I think so. I mean, are there going to be some stumbles? Yeah, I don't. I don't think they go undefeated. The Big Ten's get Big Ten's just too tough. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, once you got to go so many of those places. Right. You know, you got to go to Maryland, to Michigan, to I mean, Michigan even State. To, well, yeah. that's what I was going to say. Only like I think it's. Two weeks after this Kentucky matchup, uh, you got to start the new year off with a three versus four matchup uh, Ohio State Maryland game. Right, and they they so, play West Virginia in between there too. Who's right. not ranked, but they're always tough. You know, no. Bob Huggins, Bobby Huggies, no yeah. pushover. Yeah, that's <laughs> no. uh, that's always a just kind of a different game. That's yeah. just like a punchy in the mouth kind of game. So um, I love what they did. I love what they're doing. Yeah, I think I think they really do have a shot. I'll say yes, right? A hot take. Yes, I think they'll be a number one seed come March. 
Yeah. Okay, and I mean, right now up uh, 14 to 13 against Minnesota. Uh, as you said, Caleb Wesson feeling the nine days off so far, only one for five <laughs> from the field. But yeah. Ohio yeah. State still with the lead, you know, getting people uh, involved. So certainly um, a good sign for their team mm-hmm. moving forward. And uh, it's nice to see at least one team <laughs> in Ohio have some uh, bright spots. Uh. Uh, on the other edge of it, um, going to the southwest part of the state, Cincinnati. Um, loses to Colgate. The team, not the toothpaste, uh, loses 67-66. Chris Vogt was uh, one of the few bright spots. He was 7 for 8 from the floor for 16 points and 7 rebounds. Uh, Javian Cumberland was 5 for 9, 2 of 6 from 3 with 13 points. But Jaron Cumberland was 2 for 8 in field goals, had only 8 points, and had the what can only be described as the gigantic boneheaded play of the game. If you haven't seen it, uh, late in the game, tied at 66. Ridiculous. Jaron gets the ball and uh, kind of heaves a half-court shot with about five and a half seconds to go. Uh, Colgate ends up getting the rebound and gets fouled on the rebound, ends up going to the line and hitting one of two free throws with uh, about a second and a half left to get the 67-66 win. And there's also a, a video going off where uh, I think Jaron said, I didn't know the score. He, he said, I didn't know, and I believe it was the score, but it might have been the, the time score. left. The score? So definitely uh, uh, kind of a black mark in his area and just another inexplicable loss. And I know Colgate's been a team that's been to, the, been to the tournament, but they're still not a team that you should fear at all. And, um, you know, I mean, they're, uh, they're just a horrible loss, they're honestly. They're barely above 500, Colgate, right? They're like, they were like... They're- they're, they came in seven and four. Seven and four. Okay, it's not yeah. barely, but st- yeah, I mean, nothing impressive even for a smaller school. Two and four on the road. Two and four, yeah. Um, the Cumberland thing, uh, I don't know. Wait, uh, you sit, do you sit him? Right now, That's, I mean, he just seems like even the shot, even if he thought time was running out or whatever, and I know they, in his mind, it was tied though. Yeah, he so was, he made like a lazy one. Like it wasn't even an attempt to get it in. It seemed that, like that was yeah. With that point, if you have five seconds left, if you look up at the scoreboard, right, right. if he goes right to the it's basket, easy to find the time. Yeah, if he goes right to the basket, maybe tries to take an early shot. Maybe if you know he takes a shot with two seconds left, it yeah. bounces off. There's a foul. You go, all right. He tried. Right. It just kind of happens. But when you take that lazy heave at half court with five it's seconds like, left, and you're tied. So it doesn't even matter. Well, I know you said it might, he said the score he didn't know, which is more mind blowing than not even knowing the time. But uh, I mean, you're still you're you're running down. You gotta take a shot. I mean, I don't know. It was weird. That was a weird, weird last like what's, ten seconds. What's disturbing to me is that the just just the effort on that play alone. I mm-hmm. mean, when you look at it, he on the inbound. So there's. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's about nine seconds left on the clock, just a little less. On the, he receives the inbound and kind of just almost stands there, very lazily, like takes a few dribbles forward. Yeah. And count just if you count that off, that's three seconds gone right there of him just dribbling, mm-hmm. barely getting anywhere with those dribbles. And then yeah, all of a sudden he's just like, oh, gotta go, <laughs> and, and like takes two two big steps and yeah, he's lazily heaves this terrible. Right. Like, it wasn't one of those little runners where you're It was kinda, beyond half court. It was about three quarter lengths of the court. A couple steps behind. Yeah, it yeah. was so bad. And then the foul coming down. So that's what concerns me is that, like, it's his head is just not there at all. Like, he doesn't want to play in this system at all right now. I don't get and it. And that's what I, I, I saw some takes today because I was very upset with Jerry. I still am 
with Jaron Cumberland's effort last night. Um, and so I, I, I took to Twitter with some takes, but then I also today saw some takes that were like, shame on all these people bashing Jaron Cumberland. You have to feel sorry for the guy. This is really sad what's happening. And it's just like, yeah, it's sad what's happening, but I don't feel sorry it's of for his the guy. Making. So, it's of yeah. your making. You buy in or you don't. That's yeah. on you. To give in, uh, just real quick, uh, Justin Williams, who writes for The Athletic, he does a lot of the University of Cincinnati articles, mm-hmm. uh, took this from the John Brannon press conference. Quote, he didn't know what the score was. He didn't know what the score was. Under 11 seconds, even when you have a timeout, you just want to attack a broken floor, get the ball in bounds and go, because you're never going to get as good of a shot out of a timeout as you are on a broken floor. And uh, I don't think he knew what the score was. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. So, like, if and he then, really didn't know these things, and you add in the effort that you like look at when you look at that play, right. the lack of effort on that, that's right. just very concerning that the guy's just not there at all. No, and that's it, why I said my take last night after the game was, and what you asked to start this bit off, is if you should bench Jaron, and I said yes. Like it, it pains me to say this. It, I hate, I hate to say it, and I do feel like I, I don't feel bad for him, but it is sad to see this. But he needs to be benched because the Bearcats need a leader out there right now. I mean, you had a few guys that actually like had a decent game in this. Like well, if you yeah. pair well, that g- up. With uh, Keith Williams is 15, uh, votes 16, Javian Cumberland's 13. Like, if you could take that, uh, Adams Woods off the bench has hit a couple clutch threes mm-hmm. in the past couple games. Like, if you can add that and add like a leader, a big guy leader that we're lacking right now that we had last year with Jaron Cumberland, who's there, but just seems to not want to do this right now at all. Yeah, yeah. and I, I looking at it, Brandon said on the late games collapsing that I have to do a better job of putting the right guys on the floor, I guess. If that yes. means sitting guys, mm-hmm. you know, that's maybe unpopular, it's unpopular, I got to do what's right for the program right now, and that's on me. I advocated for sitting, you know, Jaron earlier because I thought it was, you know, a lot of times it looked sort of like an injury thing, but... There have just been a number of times that, you know, he hasn't got around on rotations. He hasn't done this. He hasn't done that. And it just seems like laziness. He seems like he should, you know, he should be good whether he wants to try or not. And at some point you have to get, you know, you have to get him out of there if he's hurting the team. And you know what? Worst case, you develop some of the young guys. I know, you know, Davenport and Harvey barely played in this game. Um, I think only... Six players scored in this game, which yeah. is pretty ridiculous, yeah. including starting point guard Chris McNeil, who did not have a point as the starting point guard. So it's certainly uh, troubling on a couple things. You know, I would love to see them figure it out, but you know, you look at their schedule ahead. They play um, Tennessee at home uh, during this week. I believe it's on Thursday, and then play. Um, in Chicago against Iowa this weekend, and then I believe that's their last game before uh, their New Year's Day game where they start off conference play against a UConn team that has looked okay so far this year. So they've they've (laughs) got to figure it out because at this point, you know, time's ticking to the point where you're not going to be able to overcome those bad losses. You know, Colgate is is a bad loss. You know, they have – they might be a tournament team, but that's just because they're a Patriot League team. You lost to Bowling Green, who's not a good MAC team. And – you know, you got to do something at this point or or it's just going to be a lost season in general. And you understand, you know, it's the first year of a coach. He's trying to get some stuff in there. But I, 
you know, I'm worried about the buy-in from some of the older players. And, mm-hmm. you know, it seems like Vogt knows what he's supposed to do because he's an NKU guy. He's a Brandon guy. Right. Um, Keith has done better. But, you know, Trey Scott hasn't shot the ball well at all this year. Jaron's been bad this year. Javian's been up and down. And then the young guys haven't haven't played that much. You know, Mike Adams-Woods has been good when he's played. I haven't really seen enough of Davenport or Harvey because they're playing, you know, like four minutes a game to know what they're doing. So, I mean, I had... There's, there's also, there's just things you have to clean up that's they've in, in the past have always needed to clean up. I mean, you had 16 turnovers in this game, six missed free throws. Yeah, Jaron's two for eight, uh, one for four from the uh, arc, only eight points. So like you, you have to find, you have to find a leader somewhere. Yeah. Right now, right now, like I'm sorry. Like some people might disagree with this take and say, "Oh, he's just hurt," or no, you know, or, you they'll, can or see they'll blame or they'll blame Brandon. But yeah. but yeah, like Jaron Cumberland right now is not the leader of this Cincinnati Bearcats basketball team, and some they need to find someone who wants to be that leader. He needs to be sat down and said, "Buy in now." Yeah. Or that's yeah. it. I mean, sometimes you have to make those tough decisions. That's why John Brandon got hired. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's. It's one of those things that if he doesn't, then he loses his senior year sitting on the bench. And it's right. like, you know what? If he's going to give that kind of effort, he's not going to help the team in, in, at all. You know, you'd rather have uh, you'd rather have Keith Williams or, or heck, even one of the freshmen take the shot at the end if, if that's the shot that we're going to get. And that's the kind of understanding that we're going to get of the time and everything. So You play at a big level. There's no excuse to not know the score on the time. Yeah, especially, it's not. especially as a senior leader. And I know it's been different, you know. There were still some senior leaders last year, even though, you know, Jaron was the best player in, you know, uh, Jennifer and Kane Broom, but he's he's just got to be better. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the place to leave it. Going across town, and uh, also speaking of some heartbreaking losses, we won't spend too much time on this team, but uh, Xavier lost to Wake Forest 80-78 uh, to 78 in the Skip Prosper. Uh, yeah, Skip Prosser, Prosser Classic. Uh, he was a former coach of both Xavier and Wake Forest, so they kind of they've been playing this game the last few years. Um, the one uh, big player for Xavier was Paul Scruggs, who was thirteen of nineteen, four of nine from three with thirty points. But uh, the big thing for Xavier, being the defensive team that they are, giving up eighty points and allowing forty eight percent field goals and forty three percent three point three pointers. You know. Going into going into a Big East gauntlet, which you know it it can be at times. Uh, I mean, that's and a six com- and five Wake Forest. That's a six and five Wake Forest team. That's not a no. That's nothing to <laughs> uh, uh, not feeling good. What I did see in this game is something a theory I've had about Xavier. It's not really a theory. I mean, you can definitely prove it on paper. Uh, Tell us, Doctor Sunsprout. Xavier definitely goes on these streaks with three mm-hmm. pointers, and in this game, we saw a Wake Forest team who shot uh, 47% from the field and 43% on three-pointers. Xavier shot a mere 27% on three-pointers. Not going to get done. And no, no, not going to get it done, especially when you're playing in those close games. And I think with the Bearcats, definitely more than the Bearcats, who knows if they'll even make the tournament. We'll talk more about that later. But, yeah, these these streaks of uh, not being able to shoot the ball mm-hmm. – um, really kill you in these games against you know six, uh, six and five wake forest team yeah and that's one of the things that you know uh maybe not this year's bearcats but you know the mick cronin era bearcats is you know when they don't get things going and you know they're not shooting well you know they can't run up those leads against teams and then when they mm-hmm. start making a couple threes and get hot then the game can get away from you pretty quickly and you know even though it was a 
only a two-point loss, it probably should have been a double-digit win that just because of the way the three-pointers went, you know, Xavier was pretty cold aside of Scruggs and, you know, uh, Wake Forest was shooting it pretty hot. It turns into a two-point loss. The main takeaway from this is really that Xavier sucks. So. <laughs> I mean, um, but but not gonna I, get any. I do want to apologize before we get into this next one because there is one more basketball school in Ohio that's absolutely been popping off. And yeah, we haven't another, really touched on them a whole lot. Uh, another top fifteen team in the nation coming from Ohio right now, number fourteen in the AP poll. The Dayton Flyers uh, got a big win over Drake by thirty-one points, going to eight and one. Wins so far over St. Mary's, who was a ranked team earlier this year, um, and then have beat uh, Georgia and Virginia Tech in the Maui Invitational. So far, their only loss is to uh, Kansas, who is a uh, you know a one seed projected right now in overtime in the Maui Championship. Yep. So so far, Dayton's been balling out. Uh, of course, Obi Toppin is a potential lottery pick, and and this team is is the real deal. I mean, they've shown right. against Power Five competition they're not just an a10 team that you know can beat up on on its own conference they're they're the real deal yeah i mean they had the they had the one loss against ohio state but you know ohio state's absolutely insane right now um and then yeah you got obi top and who's you know consistently looking good who uh, had the one ever- loss uh dayton's one loss was, was to kansas. Uh, to kansas excuse me yeah two uh number two kansas um, so not a bad loss there by any means. And they actually led no. they led for a lot of that game. That came down to the wire. Yeah, it was an overtime uh, game. And, yeah, OB Toppins got 21 points per game, 65% from the field. Uh, but then this game against Drake, you had uh, Ibby Watson come off the bench and score 20 points in 23 minutes. Uh, he's averaging 55% from the field and 48% from the arc this year with 103 um, but, yeah, had 20 points in this game, six for eight from the field, four for six from the arc. Um, so these Dayton Flyers, they've got they've definitely got some shooters around Obi oh, yeah. Toppin, and this could be a very dangerous team come March. I mean, right. they look really, really good. I mean, it's funny. I, I was thinking about this when we were doing our little production meeting before. Um, you know, when we went back, I don't remember what episode was, and we discussed Ohio, you know, kind of Ohio basketball preview, you know, Dayton, I just find Dayton, Ohio State were kind of more that mid-tier. We're like, ah, oh, they're going to both be right. okay. Be good. Yeah. But like Xavier and Cincinnati. and They'll them, be mid-seed. The right. Team. Yeah. They're going to be a step up, we think. And it's just funny how reversed that is. High oh, State yeah. and Dayton are playing amazing basketball right now. Both look to be top seed, you know. Dayton, Dayton's so under the radar, but I mean, mm-hmm. they're 86.3 points per game, are fourth in the country. Their 26 assists per game are third in the country. And they're 21st in the country with a 39% uh, three-point percentage. Yeah, I mean, it's... So they're yeah, nothing impressive. to snuff at. And they have, uh, you know, like I said, they have Obi Toppin, who right now is projected to go um, 12th overall oh, by, wow. by Tankathon. So he's, right. a, he's a, a, you know, certified lottery pick at, yeah. at this point, you know, kind of an edge one, but certainly a guy that could get into the lottery. Put the uh, ball in the hole, man. Also coming up, uh, as we mentioned, uh, you know, Cincinnati playing in the Chicago Legends Classic against Iowa. Well, the other game in that, um, it's not really a tournament, it's just kind of a two-game showcase, mm-hmm. is uh, Dayton playing number 24, Colorado. So another opportunity another on a neutral yeah. court to get a big win over, you know, a top 25 team and a team that, you know, looks to be one of the better teams in the in a Power 5 conference in the Pac-12 this year. So we'll be interesting to see, you know, when we have our episode next week to see, you know, how, how Dayton's looking. So far, you know, in pretty much all the Power 5 tests have passed it. So yeah, 
be interesting to see this weekend. Yeah, and uh, next weekend's show, uh, Zach is going to be leaving us. Uh, won't be in town. Nope. Um, we are not missing uh, a single week like we did uh, for Thanksgiving where we took the holiday week off. Nope. Uh, right after we get done recording this, we're recording a, a special one for you guys uh, for that holiday week. Um, that should be a good one. A uh, lot of nostalgia. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, need a need a short little show to kind of get yourself away from, you know, the family, maybe on a maybe on a drive up to the parents for yeah, uh yeah. Yep. for, you know, Christmas or something like that. Christmas, Hanukkah, Festivus, whatever. Kwanzaa, you know, have Festivus. have a Festivus for the rest Festivus. of us. Okay. We we need to get a poll in here. Yeah, the airing of grievances. Yeah, I'm I'm getting I'm apparently getting a tree delivered at some point here, so I have to get a Festivus poll, oh, but man. uh <laughs> we're going to move into our Ohio segments and and speaking of all of the uh, college Ohio sports teams we were talking about, we're gonna do a way too early March Madness prediction. Right now, looking at uh, Joe Lenardi's bracketology on ESPN, they have the number one seeds as Louisville, Maryland, Ohio State, and Kansas as of December 9th. Other Ohio teams, they have Xavier as the six seed, Dayton as a five seed. Toledo winning the MAC as the 13 seed, Ooh. and UC not currently sniffing the dance. Oh my God! So, Why well, would they? Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> I, that's what I was gonna say. Is that like right now for UC, they aren't making it. In. I'll tell you something about the MAC though. The MAC is insane. Oh, right you's looking good. Oh, you's played some good ball. Uh, we've got eight and one Kent State, eight and two Akron. Uh, we've got seven and three Ohio. We've got eight and one Eastern Michigan, eight and two Toledo. Um, yeah. They haven't started conference play yet, so I'm sure that'll uh, fix it up for from. Um, but I mean, so far, here's the thing about Mac the, schools. But I mean, here's the thing about the Mac though that people always kind of overlook, and Greg is gonna blow up the Browns. Uh, lost. Uh, yeah, we figured. Geez, not a surprise. Breaking uh, news: the Browns. Breaking lose. news: the three nine and one Cardinals. Season's um, over. Pack it up. Mac's always a pretty solid non-Power 5 basketball conference. Yeah. So they really are. I mean, all these schools, it's not really shocking to me to see that they always play good, solid. And I think a lot of that has to do with the location. Yeah. With between Chicago, Indianapolis, and Ohio, a lot of good college ba- or high school basketball talent. So I think that really helps and feeds into these mid-major schools being able in this area to really pick up the scraps and there's plenty of them but yeah um, and i think they're i mean they're usually one of the teams you know um ohio's made some made some runs buffalo's made some runs you know stuff like that teams teams from the mac can come in and get a win in the tournament and it's certainly uh you know a very competitive conference in general 75 percent of the mac schools haven't lost at home yet this season wow Uh, yeah so i mean the mac the mac should be i know we talk we like to talk a lot of mac football on here but Mac basketball. Oh, see, is fixing, I'm more, I'm more Mac basketball. Great, yeah, I love great, Mac great Mac season. We'll have to basketball. get down to the. We'll have to get down to the convo. Watch uh, some OU. Oh yeah, I'd love to. That's always, a great. Yeah, always that's in, a great uh, arena. Thirty rack on the road. Yeah, thirty With rack no on the road. No drinking and driving, please. Just a little. Just please enjoy responsibly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it'll be it'll be curious to see. Uh, I don't. The Bearcats can definitely turn it around. Um, as of right now, I don't think they make the tournament. Um, and even if they do make the tournament on a on some miracle, I don't think they would get out they of the first round. They got a lot round. of work to do. Yeah, I mean, that that is a mess right now. I'll, I'll agree with the Xavier on a sixth seed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they can, I mean, it's Xavier. They always get real good headed in March. Um, carry right. a lot of, they carry a lot of momentum into the tournament. Um, what I'm most curious to see is that I think Ohio State has a real 
good shot this year. I mean, we haven't even brought up the fact that we had another number one team go down. So yeah, yeah, I, I that mean, is true. It's been a weird year. Yeah, it's been every a weird year, year. Every so time they go down to you know unranked teams, so it's been one of those things. You know, whether it's you know Louisville or Kentucky or or anyone else, it's been a it's been an interesting season. I guess going into the preview, just from the Ohio side. If I say over under three and a half Ohio teams making it in, you look at uh, probably Ohio State, Xavier, and Dayton making it in. Do you think either an Ohio team can well, take get home a- the MAC, or UC oh, yeah. can slip into the tournament? Are you going to take the over or the under on that, Josh? I'm going to take the over on that um, because I do think that a MAC team definitely deserves maybe even two max right i was gonna say i'll Uh, I'll go five yeah so that's what i was thinking is that i think you have and and we're also forgetting we're also leaving out the horizon league i was gonna say cleveland Um, state because you have cleveland state and Wright state Wright state you know looking at looking pretty good this year cleveland state's garbage this year but well i mean yeah but i mean you never know man get that tournament yeah i mean Wright Wright state barely beat out northern kentucky university last year for that spot so i i'd take the over on the three and a half Ohio teams mm-hmm. making the a tournament this year because I think you definitely get a MAC champion and a Horizon League yeah. champion uh, in Wright State uh, that'll make the play uh, the playoff the tournament the playoffs 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 playoffs. All right. Well, speaking of March Madness, we're going to transition to our second segment, the oh. worst of the week. Um, oh. Josh you, is ready to roll. I'm so guys, sick of this dump. If you guys don't know about uh, the Heritage Bank Center, also formerly known as U.S. Bank Arena or the Riverfront Coliseum. Or the dump on the Ohio, as many have called uh, it. They were originally slated to host a NCAA tournament game in 2022. I mean, the first two rounds. And, yeah, the first two rounds, you know, um, 64 and 32, so you kind of get a pod there, uh, Mm -hmm. morning and afternoon session. Well, that was stripped from Cincinnati as – hosting the tournament was contingent on, I believe, a $280 million renovation right. to the site. Obviously not done. And, <laughs> you know, um, any sort of uh, reputable bank and, uh, you know, or, or I guess national bank was, was stripped. And you get the local Kentucky bank. Um, obviously, if you've been there, it's it's kind of a shithole, as, as oh, Josh yeah. said. So um, – Disappointing for Cincinnati because obviously something good for you know the economy, but just something cool for the city to have the tournament games there. And you've seen tournament games, and you know not just the first four, but also um, you know first and second round games in Dayton, uh, Columbus, mm-hmm. as UC played last year, and then yeah. Cleveland, Cleveland will be a host next year. You've seen it in Lexington and Louisville, but Cincinnati not being able to get that because they don't have a you know a professional size stadium otherwise yeah do you know not on campus too right it can't be on campus yeah Uh, the reason it wasn't on campuses was more of a capacity thing um but i mean in general you can't host yeah um but uh my issue is is that like do you know how long it's been since Cincinnati has hosted an ncaa tournament game uh yeah it was um i saw it in the article what was the 80s yeah, it's been about 30 years. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I th- we had a real opportunity there. I was, I, I will say I was very, very, very surprised when they announced that U.S. Bank Oh, Arena, yeah, I was shocked when they initially announced Arena. it. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm sure some people have seen the markups of the proposed uh, remake of remodeling mm-hmm. of the arena. 
Uh, there's been no word on whether that will officially be happening. Um, the NCAA's statement specifically says that uh, the 2022 uh, playoff, or excuse me, I keep saying playoff, tournament games <laughs> are being moved to Indianapolis to allow more time for the newly renamed Heritage Bank Center to complete current and future plan renovations. Uh, Basically, they're allowed to bid again on yeah, the next ones yeah, that are coming up next bid, year. Yes. Um, there's yes. a three, they do bid three-year intervals, I think. Um, yeah, it's sad and not shocking, and I agree with you. I was shocked when they initially announced it. I was like, well, they better right. get working on this. That's um, what I said. Because, I, I mean, like, yeah. they had the $280 million renovation, which was the, the last plan. Before that, the plan was they were going to tear it down and rebuild it, which I think makes a world of sense to me. Because I know in the past they have attempted to bring a basketball team, an NBA right. team back, um, and every time, like, wh- where are they going to play? Right. I mean, that's why Columbus is above them that's on the list because they have nationwide. I'm almost, I'd almost say for those of you that aren't familiar with the Cincinnati Riverfront, um, you've got Paul Brown's moving right to left. You've got Paul Brown Stadium. You've got the Banks, like, Entertainment District with the Freedom Center and all the bars and everything. Then you've got Great American Ballpark. And then next to that and squeezed in between Great American Ballpark and a bridge yeah. is U.S. Bank – or, sorry, Heritage Bank uh, Center. Um, so, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> My thing is is that that is such a small space right there oh, yeah. to try and put an arena. So, like, now that you've got, like, the West End Stadium going in, like – and now that the uh, the gardens are gone, the gardens were yeah. up kind of uh, about ten minutes from downtown. So you know, there there are other places. There are plenty of places on the west end. There are plenty of places in northern Kentucky. There'd be nothing wrong with that. Uh, right? No, I'm against all of that. But there are other places where you could put an arena where you have much more room for development of a modern day arena. Right. Those who that those of the the owners of the arena and some Cincinnati people that are saying, oh yeah, U.S. Bank, U.S. Bank or Heritage Bank Center is, you know, a modern day arena. It's not. You know, yeah. that's why we lost the uh, yeah. the national convention uh, for uh, what was it, the Republican or Democratic? They went to Cleveland. Yeah, they went the, to Cleveland. The Republican the, went to yeah. Yeah, and it was between Cleveland, uh, Nashville, and Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and they ultimately went to Cleveland because there weren't enough suites. And amenities in what was U.S. Bank it, Arena. It's ridiculous. A large city like this does not have a state-of-the-art so, arena. Well, and then you but, look at the other peer cities. Like you look at Pittsburgh, you look at Cleveland, you look at Indy, you look at Nashville, you look at Charlotte. Like those those Midwestern tier cities that are about the same as Cincinnati. Like they all have that really nice, you arena. know, convention center arena. or arena. Right. But here's the thing that I guess you kind of have a question is. Will Cincinnati ever get a state-of-the-art arena? Because right now it seems like a lot of those cities that have the state-of-the-art arenas at least have one professional team to put in there. And I think basketball, you know, Cincinnati would be pretty far behind. You know, obviously they want to get stuff back to Seattle and and there are some other questions and it would be a lot of moving teams. And then NHL, you know, putting two teams in Ohio within an hour and a half of each other doesn't really seem plausible. So it's a question of, you know, the Heritage Bank Center might just be up till it falls down. You know, till it's about to fall I down. Mean, but do you think saying, they'll ever get? Well, and here's here's my here's my ultimate suggestion, which what we need to do is that we need to kill two birds with or, uh, with one stone. Here is that you have when I say when you look at these other cities like Charlotte, Pittsburgh, Indy, Columbus, even Columbus, Cleveland, Nashville. Uh, even mm-hmm. St. Louis, you know, they all have either one one or both of these things: a nice arena or a nice 
convention center, a modern yeah. day arena or a modern day convention center or a combined thing. A of combined, the both. yeah. Uh, the Duke Convention Center down here in Cincinnati, which is more in downtown, uh, that really hasn't been touched since 2006 when they expanded on it. Yeah. And, you know, they've started to lose uh, some, some bids on, uh, like, the last big thing they hosted was the 2012 World Choir Games. Like, we still have Reds Fest and, like, regional things there, yeah. but you're not going to attract the national things there, you know, and we're building this new music venue. Right, that's going to take room. Huge music venue down next to Paul Brown Stadium. It's going to take up that space but that could have been used for a new arena. And it's an indoor-outdoor, but still, you don't have, like, an out—you don't have an indoor, you know, facility. space, facility, yeah. a modern-day indoor facility to host big conventions mm-hmm. or big— arenas for games or stuff like that like you don't have that right and that's one of the things you know um cincinnati doesn't have either of those whether it's a big arena or one of those you know like a lucas oil or something like that where you have Mm -hmm. the big indoor stadium for any of that so at this point you know unless cincinnati's going to want to put the money in and of course with these you know with the paul brown stadium deal there's there's some worry and you know dealing with the um you know, obviously the money going towards the FC Cincinnati in, in the West End uh, I, area. But I do agree with Greg on that. I, I, I guess now that I'm thinking about it, I, I, why would you? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, um, because obviously, like, he's, you know, you're not going to get a, a full-time tenant in there for any of the major sports right. realistically. And then with they're, not only are they building that new um, music venue, they're supposedly going to be putting another one, a competing one, across the river. And, can, and true, my point yeah. is, like, if you wanted to say, oh, they could put concerts and stuff in there. There's two. I love it. I love the music we get here. But there's too many venues as is. I don't even know how these two venues are going to do. Right. There's I mean, plenty of music venues in this city. The the one music venue in northern Kentucky is one company. And then the music mm-hmm. venue in Cincinnati, its main purpose is to be, like, bigger than the biggest of all the music yeah. venues and finally get some of those big concerts. They but get then, the big concerts. But, but then, it's hilarious yeah. when I hear that. So, I'm like, what concerts do not come through So you Cincinnati? had that record braiding uh, Garth Brooks uh, right. sold out Great American – or not Great and American, like, Paul Brown Stadium. It's the biggest sellout crowd at Paul Brown Stadium ever in two hours. So I it's disappointing pointing that we can't figure out that we just need one like what's great about lucas oil stadium mm-hmm. is it's one just a world-class venue but right. it's also got the arena to where you can host football you can host basketball uh greg and i have obviously been to many uh marching band competitions there <laughs> yeah, many have- regional events there and then you also have conference rooms there to host lots of big conference right. events and you have it where you have you know you, they have bankers life to the point where they can host some of the smaller stuff but they have the big stadium where they can host things also like super bowls and yeah. final fours and you can't host anything of note when you don't have any state of the art you know probably the nicest stadium that we have is is great american which is great but there's not a whole lot that you can do with uh, a baseball, baseball stadium yeah so it's one of those things that i, I think they're just going to have to figure out but Speaking of stadiums, uh, we're going to go into a little bit of a Christmas segment here. Uh, Obviously, getting into the Christmas spirit here in mid-December, we're going to ask a question. Uh, We'll put our answers and and maybe another answer up on Twitter at 30 Rack Podcast. Follow us at 30 Rack Sports on Facebook, at 30 Rack Podcast on Twitter. The question of today is, which Ohio sports stadium could have the best Christmas light display? Obviously, you walk, wander around, you see some nice Christmas light displays, but with these giant stadiums, Zach, who do you think could have the best out of all those? Oh, in my opinion, I think uh, Ohio Stadium. 
I think, on multitude. I don't know. Are we talking like grandest or just most beautiful? In my opinion, most beautiful. Yeah, I, whatever you want to do. If you want to go Clark Griswold with it. Yeah, I'm not going to go Clark Griswold. I'm going to go very classy and tasteful. I'm saying, you know, around the top of the stadium, you hang some large garland, some beautiful lights in the rotunda. You light it up with the stained glass windows. Um, just very classy and tasteful. Yeah, I could see Ohio Stadium doing a nice, like, tasteful display. You That's know? what I like, mean, just very like, classy. Yeah, yeah. Classy. Buckeye leaves going yeah. across. Yeah, there you go. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, I was I was very close to uh, doing the Brown Stadium. I think any, like, riverfront mm. stadium or lakefront stadium could do a cool thing. Yeah. Um, but that is why I will go with Great American Ballpark, because you've got the riverboat and everything. You've got the stacks in the out, the, the river, the smokestacks yeah. in the outfield. You could do a lot of, like, you know, cool, cool, like, interactive you know yeah. yeah i think you could do some cool stuff there. i would I'll not put, have picked first energy or paul brown though those are oh no ugly paul brown stadiums. no i wouldn't put lights well, on you, paul brown in, at all. Uh, first energy you got the windmill and everything uh, but uh yeah. i'm gonna go to the northeast part of uh the state and go to the rock or rocket mortgage Fieldhouse, formerly quicken loans arena formerly <laughs> gun arena uh but they've done a uh, large renovation there they have a lot of the uh, glass windows on the outside mm. of the stadium or on the outside of the arena and it's just one of those arenas where you could put you know different setups in there you could put the snowman you could have lights going all the way down on the side of the arena i think if you really put some effort into it it could be just one of those grandiose maybe clark griswold but one of those that would light up the whole oh, city with how with how much you know how much lights and pizzazz you could put in there so uh we're going to put those that. three out, plus uh, do we want to throw in a fourth there for the poll on 30 Rack Podcast, 30 um, Rack? We can go, I would say either if you want to put a fourth, I'd go either like Progressive or Nationwide. Oh, yeah, Nationwide could be cool. All right, we're going to go into Columbus, the Blue Jacket Stadium, also a very nice arena. Yeah. So uh, vote, uh, you know, comment, add your favorite stadium. What do you think would be the best stadium for a Christmas light display? And we've actually just got the same uh, the same handle everywhere now, uh, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, it's all at 30 Rack Podcast now, so we're all connected on social yeah, media. Nice. You can find us at Facebook and Twitter. Um, get on Twitter to get on that poll and tell us what you think would be the best Christmas lights display. I gotta give a shout out to a few of our followers, uh, our boy, uh, our boy uh, Lascola, down here in Cincinnati. Ow. Um, Big Al has given us um, quite uh, some great responses lately. I also have to give a shout out to uh, our, our, it finally happened. <laughs> Every podcast has their one foreign listener like off in somewhere, place in the world, and we finally got ours. So to our friend in the Netherlands, we salute you. Uh, th- this beer we're about to crack is for you. Uh, and once again, also be sure to uh, follow along if you're of age. Be sure to drink along as long as you're not in the car. Uh, as we pop our second Jackie O's Raz Wheat, uh, as it being one of my favorite beers in my pick. Uh, guys, good. what are your thoughts? I really like it. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it's. Uh, I love a little uh, raspberry. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm. I'll be honest. I'm not usually huge on uh, wheat beers, Ooh, but, really? uh, but yeah, yeah, this, is, this is fantastic. I love the raspberry mix. Not too heavy on anything. No, yeah, no. it's got the nice raspberry flavor at the beginning and the nice wheat ending to it. Uh, mm-hmm. I like fermented the with too. the all natural raspberry puree. And if you've never seen the uh, Jackie O's cans, they have some lovely designs on the end this one has what looks to be a deer or an elk on the side just beautifully painted with some uh, raspberries around it so 
Uh, certainly a very cool design, and uh, shout out to Jackie O's for making some very delicious beer. Oh, really? uh, one of our, I believe, our first beer from uh, the southeast side of the state. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we've actually got uh, quite a bit of beer news to run through real quick. Uh, here in Cincinnati, Ohio, we were named the number one Woo! city for U.S. beer drinkers. Uh, we are number one. Uh, number two is St. Louis. Uh, and then Cleveland, up in Cleveland, Cleveland. number 10. So Cincinnati and Cleveland, two cities in the top 10 for best cities for U.S. beer drinkers. That was a study done by Smart Asset. Um, so Cincinnati, number one in something. We got to drink all that beer to drown the sorrows on Sundays. So. <laughs> yeah, it, it talked about, you know, um, different breweries in the city, bars in the city, uh, price per, of, per hundred thousand, per hundred thousand uh, you know, uh, price of, of either swill beer or, or you know, uh, craft, craft beer. beer. Yeah. So obviously, as we know, and as we've been, you know, kind of drinking through the state, a lot of great breweries on both bookends and, and throughout the state of Ohio. So uh, I'll, I'll run you through the three quick stats here. Average price of a pint of beer in Cincinnati is $4, 10 breweries per 100,000 residents, 24 bars per 100,000 <laughs> residents. So drink up, folks, but be safe out there. That honestly doesn't seem like enough for some days when you're nah, watching the Browns, right? especially a day like today. Uh, other quick, quickly, uh, other brewery news, uh, up in the central region, up in Columbus, you have a really cool three-way collaboration going on with Sideswipe Brewery, uh, Lineage Brewery, and Ill-Mannered Brewing. Um, they are releasing something called the Local Conglomerate. It is a hazy New England-style IPA. It will be available in canned four-packs while supplies last. Uh, Facebook.com backslash Sideswipe Brewing to learn more. That is out officially uh, as of this weekend. We're going to have to find it. Yeah. Um, then in Dayton, Dayton's doing a really cool thing. I know we've talked about bourbon barrel stouts here as we get closer into the holidays. Uh, in, at Warped Wing Brewery, they usually do uh, a bourbon barrel aged stout. Uh, it's always a very highly anticipated thing every year. This year, though, they are doing an original, uh, in addition to the original Whiskey Rebellion barrel aged mm -hmm. stout, uh, they're actually adding flavors this year. So you can get it in the regular barrel-aged stout. You can get it a peach, a vanilla, and a caramel variant. Um, oh, nice. So that's very cool. If anyone's into those barrel-aged uh, stouts, uh, you can get a really cool uh, variety pack of the Whiskey Rebellion uh, from Warped Wing right now that is also out there. A uh, very limited amount, but it is also out there yeah. as of this weekend. Yeah, so. Warped Wing makes some, some very good uh very good beers. One of my favorites is uh, they make Space Food, which is a, a seasonal offering, but it's a American IPA. It's it's one of the it's one of the better IPAs that I've had. So definitely worth a shot to go up to Warped Wing if you're around the Dayton area to uh, try out their seasonal beers. Uh, as always, gives us your beer suggestions uh, at Twitter and Facebook at Thirty Rack Podcast. Moving away from Ohio, yeah, we're gonna run into, into the world. <clears throat> some national news up here. So starting in national news, we have a little bit of breaking news that broke just before we started recording. Um, Madison Bumgarner, AKA Mad Bum, has uh, decided to sign with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, the deal being reported by ESPN Chef Passon is a five year, $85 million deal with 15 million of that deal in deferred money. Um, Zach, really interesting to see the Diamondbacks go for pitching here. I know they did it a few years ago with Grinky before they signed him. What are your thoughts right. on the signing? I don't know. 
<laughs> yeah, I agree. I don't. I don't know. You know, they um, they traded Granky uh, at the deadline last year, and that was kind of you know around the deadline. That was kind of the idea of oh, okay, once again we screwed up and <laughs> we yeah. need to start rebuilding. And then I, you know, I was actually shocked when I first saw the deal. I'm like, really, five years? That kind of money? Um, he is only thirty, so. Yeah, when you it's said that, as, I was thinking, yeah. yeah, we both were thinking he was like, like, like 34, 34, 35. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah, and so, I mean, but, but he has a lot of mileage still. So, you know, sometimes it really doesn't matter when you just think about how long he's been up. Um, I don't know. I guess if you – baseball so hard because you don't have a cap, and I guess you just really don't know what each team has in their coffers. I mean, I don't know what the Diamondbacks are willing to spend. I just – I think, once again, to me, if I'm a Diamondbacks fan, it's, well, what are we doing? Well, What's the plan, I, once again? I think one of the things – to kind of look at and obviously the Dodgers have kind of owned that division over mm-hmm. the last so many years but the Diamondbacks did finish uh you know with 85 wins only finished about four games back of the Brewers um for that final wild card spot so they're that's a team what that's you're clo- going for though? they're a team that's close and uh I mean I guess maybe showing some sort of improvement but yeah I really don't understand this when you're a team like the Diamondbacks, I feel like you can sign your, you know, occasional expensive free agent, but mm-hmm. when you're selling off guys like Grinky and, you know, uh, Paul Goldschmidt and trying to get some kind of bargain bin talent, I don't really understand this deal. Right. And I, I don't know if I understand it from Mad Bum either. I guess maybe if it was the highest bidder, but yeah. $15 million deferred and going to a team in the Diamondbacks that you're not really sure if they're even going to compete. That's what I was very surprised because he was making all this noise about how he wants to go compete somewhere. Right. And that, that it, wasn't, it wasn't necessarily about the money. money. It's still what he wanted was, I think, a little ridiculous. But um, he got it. Um, yeah, I, yeah it's, it's interesting. I, I, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me from his perspective. That uh, doesn't seem like the flashiest. I guess when you look at teams, like it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like the flashiest option. But like you said, I guess to the highest bidder. I, you know, I mean, I guess spoils, like you I said, know. I mean they're not terrible. They're not that far. But I don't. I feel. I mean, Mad Bum last year kind of had a little bit of a bounce back year. You know, he did. Um, he did finish second with two hundred seven and two thirds innings. Uh, made all thirty four starts. You know, it was nine and nine of three point nine. A little high, but um, you know, solid. But yeah, I think for the money. And then two previous years, he was short. Injury shortened seasons. Yeah, so you wonder you wonder who is going to take a, a you know a flyer on him, especially for that price. Uh, you know, obviously the Yankees had already gotten at you know uh, Eric Cole guy. as yeah. you know as we'll touch on here in a second. And you just wonder. I mean, a lot of teams were looking for pitching, as you know, as we mentioned with the Kluber trade and everything. Mm-hmm. It's just interested to see if he you know if I guess he just went to the highest bidder and there was no one close, or if he you know added you know maybe five or ten million dollars you know on deferred payments to uh to go to a place where he can make the most money over going to a place where he might be able to compete a little bit more so yeah very interesting to see him you know go i mean we're all speculating i mean we don't know what the market was like for him and we don't know necessarily what the diamondbacks were looking to spend i mean like if they they have all this money to spend then 85 million might seem like nothing but uh speaking of the market um Mm -hmm. Just to kind of do a recap of the last week in the hot stove, uh, you know, with the winter meetings going on, obviously the stove heated up for quite a bit. Um, both uh, Steven Strasburg back to the Nationals and Anthony Rendon leaving the Nationals for the Angels got 
$245 million. Garrett Cole signing the big deal, the nine-year, $324 million deal. So uh, for any of you keeping score at home, along with the Mike Moustakis deal that was just for a poultry, $64 million. Uh, Scott Boris, over $800 million in deals. Uh, so certainly lighting up the hot stove, but it seems like it's cooled a little bit since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, side of this Baumgartner news today. Zach, first off, what are your thoughts on, I guess, some of these moves right now? And two, do you think the stove will heat up again in the next couple of weeks? Or do you think all the money's kind of been tossed out right now? Don't get him too riled up because he's got his zinger that. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get to that. Show, I won't get but. too riled up. Um, I, th- uh, yeah, I think the crazy money's done. Um, I think that's over with. I, you know, I think everybody kind of, who we expected to be willing to spend money, already spent the big portions. Like, yeah, I know the Yankees are going to go out. They're not done spending. Yeah. But I don't think, um, you know, again, I thought the pitchers all got paid too much and for too long. <laughs> That's the way that always goes, though. Um, yeah, and you look at some of these guys like Cole, who's going to be about 39 by the end. But yeah. you kind of wonder if they get the championships, whether the extra years are just to get him. You know, the Angels yeah. got Rendon, who's going to make the you know going to make their three middle of the order yeah, players of the big. Lineup is crazy. But That's it, though. still, yeah. you know, Otani hasn't pitched in a year so you don't know how good he's going to be and then aside of that they really have no one else on the bump to really make any noise you know a couple of off mm-hmm. injured guys and like Garrett well, they were interested whatnot. in Kluber so yeah they were, they were interested in Kluber and they were interested in Cole but they right. couldn't get either of them so so that'll be interesting yeah um I mean I think and you're looking at what's left you know you got Josh Donaldson who had a nice bounce back year um Ryu Keichel and Ozuna are kind of those the next four. Yeah, you also have uh, Castellanos, who's still oh, out right. there. So you got the, you got the couple pitchers, and then you got the two big outfielders. Yeah. I know there have been some rumblings about possibly the Reds taking a look at Ozuna. Uh, Josh, what are your thoughts on some of the free agents and possibly the Reds taking a look at Marcelo Ozuna? Uh, the Reds have been taking a look at Marcelo Ozuna since... Uh, the, they they ended their season, I feel like. I, that, that was the name right out of the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, what's what's weird to me is that they that is the player they've been most passionate about getting, yeah, um, most outspoken about getting, and or at least the one you've heard the most reports about, and it hasn't happened yet. And what's concerning to me is that the Reds said they were going to make one one signing that could be even bigger than the Mustakas signing, and they haven't yet. They've lost out on a lot of guys they were targeting, yeah. Um, which I would, you know. Full disclosure, I didn't expect us to sign Anthony Rendon. Uh, you know, like that would have been awesome, but I just don't see that happening. You didn't expect the two hundred and forty-five million to no. come out of the castle? No, you know. So, so I, I'm I'm hopeful that the Reds sign someone. I'm not crazy on Ozuna, um, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, at this point, like you need to sign someone. And I'm still on the same train as last week. You know, whatever makes the Reds better in 2020. Because I think, yeah, with the, when you look at the NL Central in 2020, oh, yeah, they I got think, a shot. you know, you've got a shot this year. Uh, so I mean, the question is, it's free agency. So there's the other end. Does he want to play there? Yeah, that's I the mean, other that's thing. that's always yeah, a hard thing there? for people to wrap their head around. I, Why didn't we get him? Well, did, he might not have wanted to go I personally have never been uh, one uh, to, to want to take a player from a rival team. Um, but I do, I think, would rather have uh, Castellanos than uh, mm. Ozuna. Both rival players. Well, yeah, yeah, they're both rival players, I suppose. I agree. Um, I think Castellanos is a little more veteran, a little more track record. Yeah, and I think he could be more beneficial to you mm-hmm. um, than Ozuna. Um, 
My biggest thing with the Reds in the hot stove league is losing out on Didi Gregorius, um, which yeah. I, I understand Didi's decision there, but I just that was that was tough. That's tough. No pun intended, but that was a grand slam That's right there. Slam. I thought for the Reds, so unfortunate. Yeah. But I mean, I'm curious to see where the rest of these guys. I mean, I assume I, I really think Ryu will resign in LA. I think Ryu will resign <clears throat> in LA. As Donaldson, well. he's kind. I don't know. Yeah, he's one of those guys that took the. Uh, Basically, the Cole Hamels deal last year. He got the yeah. one-year, $22 million deal. You know, kind of brought his stock back up. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, with the injury kind of history that he's had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we'll be interested to see how much and he's, years and money they want to shell for. just at third base. Who, who needs a third baseman right, right well, now? Well, and there's – there's uh, you're, you're The not, Indians do, but they're not going to spend He's <laughs> not. He is not getting the long-year deal. It'd be insane no, to give him no. a long-year deal. Two, three – two with a player. I wouldn't be surprised if he signed – I wouldn't be surprised if he signed another one-year. I think you get more money. More I mean, money. in his could. case, in his case, a player like him at his age, I think you would get more money for the yeah. one year. Then yeah. that's one of the things. Like certain teams, I know the Braves have adopted that, and some of the other teams have just giving them the one year to kind of free out their cap mm-hmm. for the future. But you know, um, it, I mean, it'll honestly be interesting to see how much he wants to bet on himself again because he's starting to get older, and how much teams want to you know rely on him at, at third base. And it'll be interesting to see if he's one of those. You know, Miguel Cabrera, third base to first base, maybe a third base, first base, and DH right. kind of guy. So um, certainly we'll be interested to see how the future goes for him. Uh, but but before we continue on in the next segment, I would just like to, uh, as we record right now, I'm sure you'll hear about this before before we get to it, but uh, the 11-2 and, uh, and 49ers just lost to the 4-9 and nine Falcons. Uh, and their, their uh, lateral play on the kickoff there with two seconds left to go did not go well. The Falcons scooped up a fumble and took it to the end zone. And I'm just kind of uh, – that's and, very shocking. And wow. I, don't, I don't know if you saw the play before that that I was kind of paying attention to, but uh, there was a review. They called Julio Jones short of the end zone, but they actually reversed it to call it a touchdown yeah. with two seconds left. So they were down by a little bit and then – Actually, it got reversed. Um, this is a very close play. So, also uh, the one interesting part about it is that touchdown took the total to fifty-one. So, for any of you uh, counting over/unders at home, the over/under was fifty points. Oh, so that man, will, that Ouch. will probably make its way onto a, a bad, certain bad beats. Yeah, bad beats segment. Well, speaking of uh, potential bad beat. Not for us stateside, but uh, we're going to move on to a little bit of golf news, which I don't think we've covered too much on 30 Rack of Sports. But uh, for those of you who weren't watching uh, golf late at night or very, very early in the morning at the uh, Royal Melbourne Club in Australia, uh, the United States ended up uh, with a comeback win to uh, win the President's Cup 16-14. to This tournament is... uh, U.S. versus a world team. So the two captains were uh, Tiger Woods and Ernie Els. And Tiger ended up making sort of an on-the-fence decision to pick himself for the President's Cup. But he ended up being... The ego. The big... Well, he ended up being... No, the I know. ...big leader for that team. He went uh, 3-0-0 in his matches. Did not play either of the Saturday sessions, but came out on fire. Um, the U.S., Tiger was actually the only group to win him and Justin Thomas on Thursday. So they were down four to one after Thursday, six and a half to three and a half after Friday. For these tournaments, you get one point for a win, half a point to each team if you tie. And then uh, the U.S. was able to go seven, three, and four on Sunday to get nine points and get 
past that 15 and a half point threshold to get the win um i don't know how much you guys were watching this i definitely caught some of this but really impressive by woods and and really impressive by the u.s team and i know the president's cup might not mean a lot even to golf fans more or less you know just regular fans but certainly a big a big step for the team some of the younger u.s guys with world number one brooks kepka not playing um you know uh certainly there was some you know questions coming in but they were really able to get it done and it was uh pretty impressive yeah also with uh patrick reed coming in the week before having a uh, big penalty for two strokes for improving the his lie in the sand trap and then also having his caddy kicked out for uh, getting in a confrontation with a fan but through all of it with the tiger questions with the patrick reed questions with the not having the top player in the world questions able to make a comeback and win so certainly something that's impressive that's a nice win and i mean like you point out it's not probably to non-real big golf fans doesn't mean anything and then even to golf fans it's lesser than the Ryder cup that's the bigger one but i mean it's still impressive and you know u.s is now 11 one and one here's in the here, presence because they've dominated here's and, here's why it should matter oh in, yeah and to to golf fans is that you saw this year in 2019 you saw tiger woods win his 15th major i believe at the major at the Good, masters yes 15 um and and then you uh, you saw Tiger Woods, who chose himself as the captain, and then chose himself to play mm-hmm. and led this team. Yeah, just, that's no, just it's cool great for him. It's Tiger cool. step up, yeah, lead, yeah. and deliver. Well, and you deliver, look at him yeah. even to go more in depth with that. He had the the Masters win, and then was out for a while with uh, you know had some withdrawals from mm-hmm. tournaments, and then had to get the knee surgery. Came back to win the Zozo Championship to time for the most tour wins of, of all, all time. time. And then, uh, you know, lead his team after going to the Hero World Championship. Uh, most of the guys had to jump on a 777 to get to Australia, which was supposed to be a 23-hour trip, but ended up being a little bit longer with a fueling issue. So yeah. they only really had two days to prepare for golf in Australia, but were able to figure it out and after a rough couple of days really come back and, and dominate, mm-hmm. you know, some of the best players. And the thing with the President's Cup is it's the world versus the U.S. So some of the best players in the world, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, South Africa, Asia, Australia, a couple of guys from Europe and whatnot. So really a, a very good team to play against. But the U.S. was was able to figure it out and, and get it done. And I mm-hmm. think that's very impressive. Awesome to see. Yeah, from the U.S. team. Uh, do believe we have some uh, national segments to move into as we wrap it up here? Yeah, the the one segment that I think Josh is most excited to going <laughs> into the national segments, we're going to talk about the college football playoff format. As most of you know right now, uh, as of since the 2013-2014 season, college football moved from BCS to the college football playoff, which takes uh, four teams um, you know, there's some outlines of how to pick them, but really it's up to the college football playoff committee. And um, we want to question also, you know, leave your responses, uh, you know, on Twitter, on Facebook, how you would improve the college football playoff, whether it's eight team, 16 team, be like Jim Harbaugh and have an 11 team or, or something else. Josh, I believe you have Craziness. a big idea. What's what's your idea for the. All right. All right. I'm going to lay it on you here. Oh, my God. All right. Two playoffs. What? You have I'm well, okay. Out. 
All right. So I this, am out too. All right. This involves uh, making the American a power in conference. Which okay. I think, which All right, I think, I'm back in. Which I think helps the college playoff significantly. Makes it something. American and power. The, the main point of all of this is to emphasize conference championships and get conference champions into a national playoff. That includes six, power six, and all right, a yeah. group of four. So you put the group of four into a playoff system like you would have now, and that group of four champion could eventually be the eight seed in the overall playoff. So you're winning six champions, one wild card, and then... One at large, and, then, and the one group of four champion. Or you could do away with that whole thing and just take the highest ranked <laughs> group of four. I don't care, really. You just have a group of four champion, you have an yeah. at large, and then yeah. you have six power conference champions. Okay. Yeah, I agree. If, well, because if you look at the group of four, if you're going to take it at, you know... Um, just at what it is right now, you're going to have, you know, potentially you look at maybe Miami of Ohio being the MAC championship, and I realize they don't really have a full national championship shot, but they'll yeah. have to play 12 games plus the MAC championship plus two games in the group of four championship mm -hmm. and then plus another, what, three games to win the national championship. So yeah. that's about, that's an NFL season right there. Well, and just to nip it out of the way before we get there about, like, an LSU or an OSU having to play a nobody the first round of the playoff, like, mm -hmm. then let's get rid of one game in November where an SEC team is playing Wofford or something. Let's get rid of the one Thank week, week non-conference. Let's shorten the, yeah. the regular season up and get rid of that one meaningless non-conference right. game that and every school here's plays. here's the question. Would you rather have, you know, would you rather have to watch Ohio State play, you know, they don't play the the – FCS teams anywhere, but have them play, you know, whatever team from the Sun Belt, you know, South Alabama, or have them play a good group of five team in the playoffs. Maybe, you know, maybe they roll by a lot, but it's at least something to get the fans a little bit more excited. Yeah. For, you know, once you put playoffs in front of it, it's going to be more exciting regardless. Right. So just to take a look at, yeah, what would, what would this format look like this year? And what I'm saying is that you would reseed the conference champions once you get to that point. Yeah. So once you have your conference champions, you would reseed them, and this is what it would look like this year. Your group of four would be uh, Florida Atlantic, Miami of Ohio, Boise State, and Appalachian State. Mm -hmm. um, then at number one, you'd have LSU. Number two, Ohio State. Uh, they would Number two, Ohio State would play number seven, which would be the at-large. Mm -hmm. Number eight would play LSU. Number eight would be the, the group, group of four. Of four. Um, then you'd have number three, Clemson, playing number six, Oregon. Number four, Oklahoma, playing number five, Memphis, and go from there. Now, does that sound too bad? Does I mean, the, the, the second bad? playoff, no offense, that's ridiculous. Ridiculous on your end. But otherwise, no, you're advocating for an eight-team. So Josh is 18. on the eight-team bandwagon. I'm also on the eight-team bandwagon. I'm going to simplify it a little bit more. Um, you're still going to have the committee. Here's what's going to happen, though. Sorry, I overthink things when I'm You angry. do, you do. You're gonna. Every team's gonna cut down. Every team's only playing eleven game schedule. You play eight conference games. Everybody's playing eight. No more three conferences playing nine, and then the other two, you know, wussing out oh, playing yeah. eight. Everybody's playing, eight. Everybody's playing eight. Everybody's playing eleven games during the regular season, and then I'll go ahead. You know, you. I, I would agree. If we could, I would say make the AAC a power of five or six. So you have six. Makes it simple. Top six get in automatic. Then you have two, two at large. And I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not giving the uh, group of four an automatic. You got 
you got to wow them. You got to give them a reason. That's fair. Um, so at that point, then, that's where the committee is still there. The committee comes back in. They reseed the conference champions and then pick the two at large. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I was getting at with the whole, like, my main goal would want to be to place an emphasis, first off, expand it to past four teams, and then place an emphasis on conference championships yeah. and minimize the committee's involvement in this. Right, yeah, it, basically at this point you're picking two at-larges and... Yeah, you're picking two at-larges and you're reseeding. Yep. Yep. And the two at-larges should never be seeded. They should always be the last two seeds. Yeah, I agree. So... I understand 16. Well, no, actually, I disagree. I think you can reseed them however you want. Just like college basketball, I don't think because you're not large, you have to be a lesser seed. You understand right. 16, yeah. and you understand You're going eight. 16. But uh, how about, no, you understand both of those, but how about. Are you looking at the Jim Harbaugh crazy? 11. Are you? Oh, oh, my God. For those of you that haven't heard the uh, Coach Jim. Khakis. Ka- the, the khakis playoff model. Um. Apparently, of the opinion of 62 college coaches, uh, 30 coaches in favor of expansion said they would do it. So what he does is he eliminates all the conference title games. So you just win the regular season. Uh, you take the highest power. Yeah, because you, you can't get there. Power five regular season champion, and then the highest ranked non-power five team. Which the one thing that I don't agree with is Notre Dame included because they should have to. Join no, the Notre Dame has to join a conference. And, no. Ranking them one through six. Then, using the previous BCS computer model, determine the next five highest-ranked teams in the country, no matter conference affiliation. Then, the 6 through 11 teams would have to play a week one game, and the top four teams, the top five teams would get a bye. Then, after those couple games, you would start with the 18 team tournament. That's bullshit. Bullshit, that's stupid. I'm not even going to consider it because that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Why? All of that is you're going to dust off computers and shit? No, Jim Harbaugh's a fool. He's a fucking idiot. All right, we're getting back now. Eight teams. Mine's the simplest. It makes the most sense. And I'm sorry, I don't get the whole, let's get the group of four. Yeah, earn it. Yeah, I think... think I well, I would probably say because I doubt the AAC would be a. a I'm saying in there. AAC I would well, say I would say group of I would say power five, group of five, and then the two at large. And okay. force Notre Dame to to get. I it. mean that's fair. And then also you've seen a lot of the group of five teams, mostly from the AAC, but occasionally like a Boise State or something like that, beat those teams. Yeah. So I think it's worth to give them at least one crack at. Because right now. You do not have an opportunity to make it to the college football playoff if you're from oh, those no, teams. I also, so I think giving everyone a shot, and then also not having to handicap conferences based off two or three non-conference if, if games. If we're going to do that, then I say the AAC is not a, an automatic. Then my my caveat to that the would AAC, be my caveat. AAC, my caveat to the American would be that the American has to expand for this to happen. The American needs to invite a Boise State or an App State or I'd even take Air Force. Or both. Or both, yeah. Um, So, and yeah, I think we just need to, you know, realign the conferences, make the conferences equal and... You know why Jim Harbaugh has lost eight straight to high state? Because he has been spending all his time concocting this crazy, complicated idea of picking teams. That's insane. He's too busy not eating chicken because it's a scare That's so stupid. Anyway, that's so stupid. Anyways, to get off uh, maybe some so stupid ideas. (laughs) No, am I the only one? To maybe a little bit smarter ideas, and by smarter ideas, 
We're talking bowl games. We're talking a little bit of actually mid-major bowl games. Ooh, you know, we'll we're have, not talking college ooh, football playoff. We'll, we'll have, have your New Year's Six and college football playoff next week for you. We're going to do mid-majors but this week. If any of you were not aware, starting the 20th, we can some bowl game bonanza. There'll be bowl games almost every day mm-hmm. instead of Christmas Day. So uh, Best time of the year. To bring up a couple of the big games starting next weekend before we're going to tape again. Starting on the 20th, we have an Ohio team coming in. Uh, the Frisco Bowl is Utah State versus Kent State. <clears throat> Utah State, seven-point favorites in the Frisco Bowl. Guys, who are you taking there? Flashes, easily, no doubt. Golden flashes all the Golden way. Golden flashes, but can I also state, again, like the Birmingham Bowl, how shitty. Where are you going? Frisco, Texas. Sounds awful. Um, I'm actually going to take Utah State, not to be the wet blanket here as I normally am, on this. But uh, potential, uh, you know, first couple round pick, uh, Utah State, Jordan Love, have not had the best season. Was actually a first round pick in some mock drafts to start the season, but uh, has fallen off a little bit. But... Should be a very good game. Uh, going to the 21st, we start to get some ranked teams in here uh, in the Las Vegas Bowl, which would be a fun, fun That bowl would be a fun to. bowl. That's a fun place to go. You get uh, number 19, Boise State versus Washington. And the one very interesting storyline to this yeah. is not just a good game, but the fact that former Boise State coach and current Washington coach Chris Peterson is stepping down after this game. So, one last game, make it the Peterson Bowl, Boise State versus Washington. Um, I'm going to go Boise State. I don't know why. I just, no. Boise like State's been a, been a consistent team all year. Yeah, Washington's a little. Washington's been kind of up and down. I, no, no, I no, I take that back. I t- so, what am I thinking? I'm an idiot. Take in the Huskies. Coach Peterson's last game. You don't think those boys are going to send him out with a W? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think I'll have to lean with Greg on this. Boise State's definitely uh, the, been the most consistent team this year. Washington at times has been like... Don't underestimate I'm emotion. not underestimating so, uh, Vegas is not underestimating emotion. They have Washington three-and-a-half-point favorites, the 7-5 and five Huskies playing the 12-1 and one Broncos. And then also looking at another one of the group of five powers that just missed out on a Cotton Bowl uh, party... Number 20, Appalachian State, who finished 12-1 and one on the year, faces the formerly defunct UAB Blazers, who have come back on From fire the dead, man. since they've been They should have uh, changed back. their name to the Phoenix. <laughs> but they're playing in the New Orleans Bowl later that night on the 21st. App State coming in has been 17-point favorites, but always a fun game down there, a late Saturday night game. Do you think the um, do you think App State takes it to finish off their thirteen and one season, or do you think the Blazers kind of bounce back after a, kind of a doo doo performance I'm, against FAU in the CUSA? I'm rooting for the Blazers just because love underdogs. I love it all. I love that they came back out of nowhere and all of a sudden are playing in fucking bowl games. Um, but no, not at all. Um, yeah, I, uh, I App watched, State's gonna finish it off. I watched App State play the Raging Cajuns in that uh, conference finals game, and App State was just dominant in yeah. every in every phase of the game. Just dominant. All three parts worked clicking on all cylinders there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Appalachian State caps off a really, really remarkable, fantastic yeah, season. Been amazing. Yeah, and I think um, you know, 
both these teams have a lot to play for. I've both played, uh, honestly, really great seasons overall. I mean, App State has basically come out of nowhere. But the one thing that you have to realize is uh, App State lost their coach last year to Louisville and now are mm-hmm. losing coach Eli Drinkwitz to Mizzou. So you wonder if sometimes those teams come out flat after losing their coach. I still take App State, but I don't think they cover. Should be a very fun first weekend with oh, a number yeah. of games out there. You know, sometimes people focus in only on the New Year's Six, maybe some of the other big bowls on New Year's Day. I'll like have to give you guys Outback, my picks but since I'll be out next week. I'll we'll have to we'll have to get our picks in there for the week. Maybe uh, a little college football bowl challenge between the podcast uh, might be in the works here by yeah, uh, we need to do your that. host over here. So. We will get that out. Would love to hear who you guys have in those games. We'll be tweeting that out on Twitter at 30 Rack Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. Be sure to uh, find us, tweet at us, retweet us, tell your friend, tell your mother, tell that homeless guy down the street. I don't care. As long as they tell that guy in the Netherlands that you know that might have, uh, that might have access to Apple Podcasts. But, uh, I was even texted this week about a segment from the show because uh, someone was talking about it with their coworkers. So to all of well, you, to all of you, you talking with your coworkers and your local brewery friends, like we we do appreciate all of your support and listeners. Oh yeah, definitely. yeah. And I mean, I mean, this is honestly a blast for all of us to do once a week. But we appreciate anyone and, and everyone that mm-hmm. listens. You know, um, please. I can speak for myself and probably for you guys that you know we're just three guys that like to have a couple cold brews and love to talk sports. So, uh, you know, it's certainly a joy for us to talk, and it's, you know, uh, really awesome for us to have people who listen. So, yeah, please interact with us. Be part of our conversation. Like, Oh, yeah, just tweet at us. Yeah. We don't care. We're, we're we'll not bring, above, we're we'll not above anyone. So No, no, we're not. Not at all. So uh, we're going to actually start wrapping up here with, uh, as we usually do with our parting takes, we're going to start up. As is usual in Ohio, there's a few issues around here, around there. So we're going to start off with uh, Zach Zinger. Zach, who you zinging today? Uh, Scott Boris. Scott Boris said something interesting this week. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. This man, what did he, very... what did he negotiate this week? Like uh, almost $900 million worth of contracts. The best agent in the biz. Everybody hates him. I myself do. Uh, he made an interesting statement this week stating that this offseason has proven that Moneyball is dead and doesn't work. Wrong, sir. Wrong. Look who is spending the money. Yeah. None of those teams were following a money buddy, a Moneyball model. The Yankees were pulling back a little bit, getting that, that tax threshold. Right. But I think it's not fair to say that in any way, and that's just a misinformed idea. Um, the Yankees see an opening. And so they're going to spend money. The Astros are going to come back down. The American League's pretty much wide open for their taking. They're spending the money. The Nats just won a World Series. They have all that extra money. They're spending money. The Reds see an opening in the Central. They're spending money. The teams that are spending money is a handful. There's wide open. Everybody right. else is... The Cubs, they're not playing... They're playing a money ball game right now. Oh, poor Tom Ricketts. Oh, my goodness. If you have a chance to donate, oh, but my you goodness. Know only signed a new TV deal I, and everything else. I oh agree, but they are. They're playing... Everybody else is still playing the money ball game. Um, I don't. I think this is honestly an outlier. You're going to see these every few years, but I guarantee probably next year... It won't be the same kind of free for all. Yeah. Every, everyone's talking about oh, all those guys that last year that went ahead and signed deals. Oh, they must feel so sorry for themselves. I, yeah, I think this no, year's no. an outlier, and I'd almost argue against the fact that like 
you have teams that aren't playing Moneyball anymore. Like there are plenty of teams that may, are making Moneyball, and even these rich teams like the Yankees and Dodgers. They still use some of those metrics. Well, they're playing their yeah. own version of Moneyball right. now, and to the point where they're spending so much that they're trying to get under that luxury mm. tax threshold. And so, that's one yeah. of the things: the luxury tax is becoming a lot more of a of an issue, and that's why you see teams like the Red Sox and the Cubs, who traditionally have a lot of money, are kind of balking right. at it. But you still look in general at some of these teams, you know. The Astros were one game away from winning the World Series, but we're also one game away from losing in the Divisional Series mm -hmm. to the Tampa Bay Rays, who have... Played Moneyball. ...basically spent no money in the last... Right. You I know, mean, have spent less money on their entire team than the Yankees have I mean, spent on Indians, some players some the year. Twins. I mean, most of the playoff teams last year in the AL... Were Moneyball money teams, teams yeah. who were strictly Moneyball. So, Scott Boris, you're a fool, but you're a rich fool. A fool. All right, Ooh. speaking of fools, uh, there might be some fools out there Ooh, that's in me. the world who Josh might be jeering. Uh, Josh, who are you jeering today? Well, Greg, I'm a fool myself, but uh, uh, I'm jeering. I don't want to say that I'm jeering him because I'm not jeering him. I'm more jeering the NFL, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, but I want to talk about the whole uh, Mike Vick situation. Uh, Michael Vick is an honorary captain for the Pro Bowl this year. Um, and I'm sorry, like, I know Michael Vick has done, like, some good work in the community and everything, and I know he's come a long way since the whole dog abuse scandal, and Mike Vick actually is an advocate for, like, animal abuse laws now. Mm -hmm. um, like, he actually uh, was uh, part of a huge thing that got passed in Pennsylvania uh, where he went to the House of Representatives in Pennsylvania and lobbied for the passage of animal rights bill. It would allow police officers to rescue dogs or cats from vehicles or unsafe places if it was deemed an unsafe temperature or unsafe situation. So, and he's raised plenty of money for stuff like this. And, you know, yeah, he's come a long way. He does a lot of good in the community now. And, you know, I respect Michael Vick for mm -hmm. where he's come in his life since that. I think he's a wonderful individual now who's doing a lot of great work in a lot of communities around the country. Having said that, Michael Vick still hung dogs from two by fours. He still dunked dogs' heads and drowned them in water to torture them in a dog in a dog fighting ring. And as upsetting that is, is that's pretty upsetting to hear. Like a person that has done that should never have an honorary title ever, ever. I'm sorry. Like if like there's no reason for Michael Vick to be an honorary ev anything ever again. Um, there's just not like someone that has abused life in that way no matter what they've done after that should never be an honorary anything and i know there's a lot of different takes on that right now that is my grumble mike vick should not be an honorary captain in the pro bowl You're first cheering. off <laughs> it's your I, first off i'm the one who grumbles he has the grumpy second off i uh, jeer sorry excuse me there's certain questions about things i'm sure there have been a number of um people that have discussed it but there are people that have done horrible things against other human beings that have gotten a lot less punishment than michael vick michael vick has been a guy that has served his time in prison oh yeah served his time doing a number of things and i think not to give a guy a second chance who has served his time and mm -hmm. has not tried to cut corners like other people have I might be a little bit off base, but I understand what you're talking about, where at certain points you lose your right to do things. Yeah. Right. And it's not like, it's like if we let this guy who abused life of animals mm -hmm. in such a way, like 
you know, are we going to have Ray Rice, who we watched kick a woman in an elevator? Are we going to make him an honorary captain next? Right. So it's like. I mean, I totally get where you are. And honestly, this was funny. Someone at work brought this up the other day and they were talking about it. And I, I didn't jump in because honestly, I still to this day don't know how I feel about everything. So I, have, I have two dogs. Two pit bulls. Two pit bulls. Yeah, I can't imagine that. And what he, what he was a part of. And I still think there honestly is a lot out there that we don't really fully know what he was aware of. And that I think he took a little fair. bit of the fall. But I agree. I go back and forth. I Some days I'm like, no, he's he's done his time. He deserves everything. And then other times I do. I'm just like, eh, I don't know. It's a tough one. So I, I, I just, I, I wouldn't even I have a, like, I would even have less of a problem if Michael Vick was like inducted into the Hall of Fame. But I don't yeah. believe that someone who's done These those vicious acts things. to I get ab- what you're the saying. abuse of yeah. life should ever be I think that's fair. honored. I think know? that's fair. I agree. Yeah. So. Greg, you want to grumble for us? Or you want wow. to just grumble, grumble at me? Your for my diaper? Well, I mean, I would love to grumble on you. First off, I'd like to grumble on you for making it so serious when <laughs> my grumble isn't quite as serious. But uh, my grumble is going to be actually about one of the beautiful 40 bulls that we uh, just talked about. Um, the University of Cincinnati Bearcats football team, after a 10-3 and season, making it to a conference championship, ended up in the Birmingham Bowl. And you may say, well, they made it to a bowl. They're playing a Power 5 team. That's great. But when you end up after having a season where you are one catch away from making it to the Cotton Bowl, the fact that you have to play in Birmingham on January 2nd while people are at work against the team that went 6-6 and and fired their coach is an absolute slap to the it's face. A travesty. And I think that's one of the problems that you have when you have all these conference and team affiliations to bowls is you have teams that are deserving of, you know, maybe New Year's Day bowls or at least a Saturday bowl, at least a decent bowl that have to get thrown into the Wolves because they're an AAC team. And I feel like they're a team that could play, you know, probably a top 25 team, even if they're from a Power 5 conference play on a bowl that's you know december 29th december 30th new year's eve new year's day and make it a good bowl but instead they're gonna have to play an undermanned boston college team that just lost their coach whose best player is not playing in the game during a time where most people are going to be going back to work and not even going to be able to watch the game yeah and basically for nothing at this point so I feel like there needs to be a change to the Bulls. There needs to be a way to change who gets rewarded at this point. Because at this, because when you get the Power Five teams that are eight and you know eight and four and have played basically nobody good mm-hmm. that they've even beaten and get to go to the Outback Bowl or the games that people are going to watch, and then you relegate this solid ten and three team to a bowl that basically nobody's going to watch, it's a slap in the face to. You see it's a slap in the face to the American, but honestly, it's a slap in the face to good college football. Yeah, instead, yes. you're going to have to watch some blowout games like we saw a number of last year when you're relegating good teams to bad bowls and no one wants the to The Birmingham Bowl should be a 6-6 six and six Max school and a 6-6 six and six, uh, Sun Belt. That's what that should be. I agree, Greg. Um, also, real quick, I want to note, we didn't mention it, uh, Ohio State co-defense coordinator Jeff Halfley is now the new head coach at Boston College. That was wow. announced today. Um, so, yeah, congrats to him. So and congrats uh, to him and Boston College. I think they got a good one. Yeah, hopefully they get, you know, uh, uh, they get some progress he in there. He is going to stay to coach out. We'll, we'll hope that, uh, you know, yeah. 
We'll hope that if Boston College improves and they go to ten and three, that they don't have to play another. <laughs> Hopefully not. We'll on see. a Thursday we'll afternoon, but uh, to lighten things up, as we like to do at the very end of our show, we like to shout out some people in Ohio, around the country. Uh, ended off on a light note. So Zach, who are you shouting out? Um, I'm gonna shout out um, both Jeff Akuda. Chase Young, Dobbins, and uh, Justin Fields, who were at the Home Depot Awards. And then, obviously, Chase Young took a few awards home. And then Fields and uh, Chase Young at the Heisman Ceremony, uh, representing very well for the state. And then Joe Burrow from my neck of the woods. Congrats, my boy. Uh, Josh, who you uh, who you shouting out? Uh, my shout-out... Um... Oh, I can't say after this, because after this, we are recording our special holiday episode uh, that will come out the uh, week of Christmas. It's a really great show for you guys. Um, I think uh, if you're an Ohio sports fan, you're really going to enjoy this show. Uh, It'll be a shorter show than you're used to for us, um, but it's a great countdown show, a lot of nostalgia in it. I really encourage you to check it out in two weeks when we come out. Um, But my shout out is going to be uh, after we're done with recording that one, I'm going to play in a tournament, a very, very vicious, aggressive, hardcore (laughs) tournament, Connect Four. The sport of champions. Um, so I just want to give a shout out to uh, my, my guy Ryan and all the guys uh, that put this together. Uh, we should have a fun night of uh, Connect Four tournaments. And if you've never been in a Connect Four t- tournament I before, mean, I'd really encourage you to get it. I don't, I don't hang out with 12 year olds, but oh, it's, it's a whole it's other a time, story, man. Josh. It's, yeah, it's a time. time. <laughs> my shout out goes to a uh, little basketball team in Northeast Ohio, the Cavs getting their first win in over a month in San Antonio. Uh, shout out. Golf clap. Uh, Colin Sexton, one of the big players, 28 points. Kevin Love with 13, 30 and 17. Uh, Jordan Clarkson with 25 points. Finally getting off the schneid. I know they dropped a tough game against the Bucks, but good to see. It seems like after some issues with Beeline, and even some issues with Tristan Thompson and Beeline. It seems like the team's starting to mesh at least a little bit, putting some more effort in. And though we're not expecting playoffs, hope to see some positive things in the future from the Cavs. The one thing that we know for sure is that you'll be seeing some positive things from the 30 Rack of Sports podcast coming out this week. Next week will just be Josh and I rocking on the mics as uh, Zach will be out of town. We'll be sure to give a hopefully fantastic podcast even without zach to help keep us in line it'll be tough it'll be tough but i believe in you guys but uh be sure to take a listen we got that coming out next week and then we have the christmas episode coming out um after that we'll be a day late again on like a monday night tuesday morning thing but that'll still be a great show because that will be kind of our uh new year college football uh bowl bowl review show so yeah well Natty, the national championship. Yeah, and the national yeah. championship preview. So, yeah, stick with us, man. we got a lot of great shows coming up yeah. this so, next yeah, month. Be sure to listen. Be sure to uh, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you may listen to your podcast. You can find us. Be sure to tweet at us and uh, Facebook us at 30 Rack Podcast. Tell your friends. Tell your mother. Tell anyone who's worthy of listening to you to tell, you, to tell them to listen to 30 Rack of Podcasts. For Zach co-hosting, for Josh on the one and twos, I'm Greg. Thank you so much for listening to episode eight of 30 Rack of Sports. Peace. Peace. 30 Rack, we out.